0: welcome to episode 40 of made the podcast about purpose-driven design making and manufacturing today we're going to talk about what software we use and why let's continue the conversation hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of made with me as always is ray peña how you doing? And Claudia Barrigan. Hello. And I am Jose Carson <laughs> So how are you guys doing? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing real well.
1: <laughs> a little flustered, but yes. I'm
2: Claudia's been better because she.
1: Recuperating from a, an attack, an animal attack. <laughs> attack.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, hysteria is the way you describe that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And for something to attack you, had to have bitten you or, or done something. It was running away, and you had me squish it.
1: Like, I I felt violated. The spider was just crawling out of nowhere in my arm, and it just it was really creepy. Again,
0: spider might be generous. <laughs> it was more like a big ant.
1: No, this is a crawl. It had six legs or more than six legs. It's mm. not cool. Not cool.
0: Anyways, but other than that, <laughs> how's it been going? everybody's Uh,
2: pretty good yeah no everything's been normal very busy as always you know Mm. how work is yep yep but uh on the work subject you got some news
0: uh well yes i don't know how much i want to talk i'm gonna talk about it but uh but yeah i mean i started a a new job this week so i've been adjusting i'm busy with that and uh
3: but it's
2: exciting isn't it something new it is
0: yeah and you know i really like what i'm doing right now you know it's it's still architecture related it's I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know how much I would say about it, I, if I should You can don't say know. it's
1: facilities, like, yeah, so for just, a university, for yeah. a large university
0: Yeah, I, I've gone academic
1: <laughs> You've gone academic
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so I'm working for a university and doing more from the facility side of you I mean, it's still very much architecture related mm-hmm. You know, very much planning and, and executing jobs And making sure that the jobs we hire out for get executed properly, things like that
3: mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, it's exciting, I'm, I'm happy about it, I... Got an office, an actual office, you know, not just a cube With a door? With a door, yeah.
2: Oh, look at that.
3: Moving on up.
0: Yeah, with a door and and a desk that's not built into the wall.
2: Mm. (laughs) Oh, good, good. And do you have a separate, like, drawing table, too? Uh, I could have a drawing table, but I
0: I don't have one. Um, Not right now, anyways. I do have a space where I I, want to put some kind of small table or something on. Yeah. So I've got to figure out what stuff I need still. Um, but yeah, it's an actual office with a window and everything.
2: Now, if this is an academic environment, does that mean that you need to write a proposal, then look for a grant, submit it, have it reviewed, just yeah. so you can get a table?
0: Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say for the projects. For the projects, no, no, no. It's not. Just far. to get a
3: table? No, uh,
0: actually, it's not. I could probably just grab one of the with We we're also in charge of the furniture. the university has and we're now convenient so i could i could probably get any piece of furniture i want
2: (laughs) Uh, how convenient is that yeah because we run that
0: we also we have a fleet of vehicles available to us and stuff so we can move around the campus and whatnot so yeah it's uh we actually wield a lot of power there i guess (laughs) no i don't know i don't know about about that but uh but yeah no it's, it's fun it's uh i've met with a lot of the different departments already you know for different projects
1: like an oh, and you didn't say, like, it's really close to where we live, so it's... It is, it's a, I'm, really actually, like I'm actually, I'm actually
0: probably the closest person that works there. Someone, we're, it's like a seven minute drive from, from our oh, house, wow. so which is nice, I mean, I've been having a, I've been having a, at least a half an hour commute, if not more, mm-hmm. than my previous job, so,
2: this feels That means of... you might bicycle there on some days, huh? No, I'm not gonna bicycle there. <laughs> 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 motorcycle, maybe? Yeah, maybe a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That would actually mm-hmm. would work. It work. It'd be very
0: very quick, very quick. But you know, I mean, it's such a quick ride. It's not like you really enjoy the, <laughs> the ride that much, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun. It, it, it'd be good. good. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So yeah, that's been my week. Um, but maybe we should talk real quick about the week coming up or the weekend that's coming up. We are going to be at World Maker Fair in New York City. You want to give that address, Claudia? I know you're ready with it.
1: <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Hold on for a second. Hold on, hold on.
3: It's so
0: World be... Maker Fair is happening this weekend of September the
2: 23rd and 24th. Yeah. Yeah. Now, last year we, we just attended um, as a regular attendee, but this year we have a booth, right?
0: That is correct. So this year we have a booth. We, we're having a space yet? You have the you have last year's open.
1: Yes, I do.
0: <laughs> uh, we have a, a, a booth. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to be yet. Um, but uh, we have a 10 by 10 space like a lot of the projects do. So people can come by and talk to us. We'll be recording. similar like how we've done at some of the other ones. We've done Nova. We've done Miami. We've done Silver Spring. So we'll be there talking to people about the show. We'll be doing some interviews with both attendees and some of the people that has projects there, you know. And then we'll also walk around. I mean, you remember we had a great deal of fun just walking around talking to different makers last year.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, so I, I think yeah. it'll be a good time. And, and Claudia has that pulled right up.
1: Somewhat, <laughs> yeah, somewhat. So it
0: is at the... Oh, at
1: the Old Science Museum or Science Fair?
0: Yeah, the old world, at the Old World's Fair... Site which is the New York Museum of Science, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you can find it. if you go to uh, maybe you just look up World Maker Fair or New York Maker Fair.
1: Maker Faire.com, and then you mm-hmm. click on the New York um, tab and you'll be able to find it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's
1: yeah, people come out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of it's basically broken down by topics, so it really goes through a lot of the stuff that we talk about. We talk about, or we cover in in our podcast, like 3D printing, 3D imaging, um, bicycles, like um, art and design, craft, drones, we talked about before, fabrication, which is one of our big topics always, so there's a lot, like there's a whole section on that, there's a section on Kickstarter, um, a lot about kids and families and toys that that are more science-based, maker-spaces, A lot of uh, open source, which we're going to talk about today, actually, some of the softwares like Raspberry Pi, robotics. Mm -hmm. It also um, goes into sustainability as well. Um, So, like, different uh, products that are out there that are more maker-driven for sustainability and and, um, environment. Mm -hmm. And woodworking. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, basically, this is, like, the fair.
3: Yeah,
0: there's something for everybody, and people come from all over the world, so I think... You know, if you're in the area or you can, you know, drive in. If you're in the immediate area, you can drive in for a couple of hours. It's definitely worth it. Mm-hmm.
1: You can get tickets, like I said, if you go to com and click on the New York button. Um, and actually, in the main page, you'll see that uh, there's a link in there to buy tickets already. So mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and you can buy tickets at the door as well. And, uh, and you know, just so you know, they're not paying us or giving us anything to say this. We literally enjoy the, the fair. That's why I'm bringing it up anyways.
1: Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's a community for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it's fun. Um, with that said, you guys want to get started with the show? Do some let's news. Let's do it.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Cue let's the music.
0: Right. All right, so let's get started with some news. Um, all the news stories today. I, I, there's just three stories, but I sort of they have a theme. From my point of view, which is that I think they're all really bad ideas. So, just the news stories, the rest of the stuff is going to be fine that we cover. But um, let's talk about this first one, which the name of the article that I found here is called Precisely Why is Bodega, the startup, such a terrible idea? What do you guys think about this, Ray? What, what was your uh, opinion of, of oh, this article boy. and of this
2: startup? <laughs> Okay, because good um, because my thoughts on this are divided into two categories, really, <laughs> two two schools of thought. the The first is on the product, mm-hmm. you know, the, the concept and the product, um, which I think is w- weird. I think it's strange, and I, I'm I agree with the author. I think that it's it's destined for failure. However, um, what's interesting is is how the Uh, the founders feel about it and that they believe in it a hundred percent. So I I like the idea that they feel strongly about it and they're going to pursue this, uh, this thing. And even though I think it's destined for failure, I could be wrong. I've been wrong by a lot of things, Uh, but I would not be, I would not, if it were me, I don't think I would purchase anything out of this autonomous box. Um, (laughs) it, it, It seems like a weird thing. Um, but I don't have a, you know, I don't live in the environment that they are, uh, claiming to be the, the demographic for, for mm-hmm. this, I guess vending machine is the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, so I, I don't that know is, how that it's is
0: the best way of defining fi- <laughs> it. I think these people invented a vending machine, invented the vending machine again and are trying to yeah. act as if it's something revolutionary.
2: Yeah. yeah. So exactly, I don't think it's that revolutionary an idea, but uh, their model in the in the photograph seems kind of uh, sleek and modern. Mm-hmm. So, it, so that's how I feel about the product. The article is a different story. I, mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> I think that the author, uh, Christopher uh, Bananos, mm-hmm. I think that his uh, view on the reason it's going to fail mm-hmm. uh, is based entirely on on what I would call cultural appropriation, mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it seems that, uh, you can't use a word if it's, if it's a word from another language, even though every language has words that it, uh, has borrowed, if you will, from other languages. Um, they, you know, to, to, and it's called, uh, bodega, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, for those who aren't, so familiar with it that is the corner store as a kid you know we went we had a little corner store that we could walk to a block away, and that's what it was the bodega. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that the article is a little bit too hysterical about this uh, cultural uh, significance of the this little corner store. They use the the corner deli um, as their example as well uh, mm-hmm. as another common. Um, uh, cultural nexus I, I think is the best way to, to describe what they're referring to uh, but to uh, I think it's too extreme in the in the article uh, his view of <laughs> of mm-hmm. how this is uh, attacking immigration attacking uh, culture I, I think it's almost borderline ridiculous mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. but those are my
2: two those are my two
0: <laughs> those are your two takeaways
2: yeah my two takeaways right Claudia what do you think about it?
1: So I, I mean, yeah, I think it's good to look at this as from two perspectives, the concept and the product. And yeah, like, so while I agree with the, with the article and, and the author, I, I don't necessarily agree with the perspective of the planning perspective that he offers. The appropriation aspect, completely agree with that. Because if... If it is a corner store, call it a corner store. Call it whatever else you want to call it. If you really want to be um, a startup and if you really want to be a disruptor or if you really want to call yourself innovator, come up with a new – I'm about to curse, but I'm like trying not to. Come up with something new.
3: <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Why
1: do you have to appropriate another – like a word? Like, There's no need to. If there was a need to, I would say 100%. Okay, but there is no need to. There's just no need to. So that's that. I think that's the, the the big part. The other part is that, um, in terms of appropriation and the concept, is it's really taking away jobs. And this is like, like not a machine taking away jobs. It's two stupid bros from like, you know, eat from the West Coast thinking that they are smarter than thou and they're gonna take jobs away from, commu- uh, from corner stores and, and and and. But
0: they're not gonna take jobs away from corner stores. Well,
1: they are because. No. Because of what we if what we hear from this guy right from the author here, you know why why are bodegas so important to in, in a really dense city like New York is because you live in really tiny apartments and you don't have the space to, to store your products, mm-hmm. right your food products. So technically he's. I mean I really like how he that part I really liked I really liked the fact that he was really bringing it down to how he uses the bodega and what it actually is for him. Right? So you know, he has a tiny little refrigerator, which I used to have one too, like a tiny little refrigerator. Um, and you can go in, and buy your milk, you know, on a on a other every other day basis. You don't have to worry about those things. And that's that's the benefit of this. But somebody is stacking that um mm-hmm. that bodega up. Somebody's cleaning that bodega up, someone is in the cashier. Wait, room. Do you really
0: think this thing is gonna make a bodega close?
1: No, but it is going to make it so that those people who live in like less than a hundred, like hundred square foot, like space, that they're gonna con- constantly use this thing just at, within their own, um, their own level, their own apartment floor, technically, right? So it will reduce the amount of trips that they would have to go to a bodega, in a way, um, especially if you think about like transiency. Right. Because we don't think about like bodegas we think about as a community and which is why I don't agree with a lot of the planning stuff that he talks about. I mean, anybody who brings up NIMBY in this sort of discussion just needs to get slapped because (laughs) like this is not about NIMBYism. It's not, you know, he just wanted to bring up the word NIMBY because he felt like being cool. And it's not about NIMBYism. In fact, the bodegas are being, like, threatened constantly because of the Whole Foods, because of Amazon buying Whole Foods, because everybody wants new, uh, brand new gluten-free cookies, and they're going to get it at their, you know, I mean, I can go on and on and on. So, like, bodega owners are are technically, in his words, NIMBYs, who don't want this other big capitalism Merchants to come into the co- to the community and take away their jobs as well. So they're being hit from every single perspective, even from a bending machine, which is like a stupid thing. I agree with. Now, if they were to do a a bending machine of like natural products, that you know, like you
0: can't do a bending machine of natural products. You have to put preservatives on there because who knows how long it's going to sit in that. And that's the key. D- <laughs>
1: like that's the thing. Like to disrupt your own your own world as well why do you have to disrupt other people's world like that's that's what bothers me about it like disrupt like whole foods like you want to create something like that disrupt whole foods like do you want to create like it's just uh, it's it's frustrating to no end and the only other thing i would say is like like most of it's really crazy because I didn't even have to read this I, I had so many of my friends just post about this on Facebook and Twitter and stuff and people were so upset about exactly that the appropriation part um so I I don't I, I I definitely don't agree with with that part of Ray that says you know like talk about culture nexus and stuff and that this is over overdone but um yeah just everything though <laughs> everything about this is like wrong inclusive of the article.
0: I mean, I think the idea itself, like starting with that part of it, the idea itself is ill-conceived to begin with because, you know, these two hipster guys, because that's what, I mean, that, I mean, maybe <laughs> I'm wrong in calling them that, but that's what they look like to me. Um, these two hipster guys are trying to come up with an idea. This is the thing. is Everybody tries, is trying to come up with an idea so they can put something on Kickstarter and they can, like, do, try to do something different, but they're not doing something different. They've made a vending machine look a little better. But you know, you uh, the reason why I think it's ill-conceived is the people that they're trying to appeal to, I don't think want this sort of thing, right? Like the people like them are trying to go buy fresh. That's why there's so many markets, so many like uh, what what is it called, Uh, farmers markets, and so many like people are selling uh, what is it artisanal avocados on Kickstarter. (laughs) Kickstarter, right? Is because they don't want to go get their stuff from a vending machine and it's been sitting there for who knows how long you know there's a reason why you don't see vending machines for food as much as you just see for sodas and drinks because people don't want to eat full of preservative crap anymore especially people that these guys are trying to appeal to and then the, the part where i do think it's cultural is that they're trying to take this name for the purposes of Appealing to a specific group, but they're trying to take the name that means something different than what, to me, they're trying to do. They're trying to sort of spin a, m- a vending machine into something that other people are going to come back and say, Oh, that's kind of cool. The bodega is not going to be our thing. Uh, so I think that's the part where it is trying to take, it's not just, you know, right, I'm trying to think of an example. Taxi is probably not an English word, right? It, was, it probably started in some other word. Some other way, but people use it in every language now, as to mean a cab, but it's not being used in a way of trying to take away the taxi. Well, from the anybody. example is
1: Lyft, right? Like, so there's Uber and there's Lyft,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: Lyft makes sense makes sense to me, right? It's it's an action, it's an action verb, which mm-hmm. says, you know, hey, you want to give me a lift? You know, like mm-hmm. you know, pick me up and you know, give me a ride. It could also be called a ride, right? That's an action. It's mm-hmm. not an actual cultural establishment mm-hmm. like that's the difference like you know it's you can call some like uber that's another one right uber is something fast or something big or something massive mm-hmm. right so that's that's also a uh, an adjective or, or an adverb you know it's it's not a it's not a noun it's not a it's not a thing mm-hmm. um so yeah in terms of like naming things that's just that was like such a wrong thing on their
3: end yeah
2: i think the use of the word bodega was was uh deliberate and and i can see how it can be inflammatory to some groups but for me the the use of of the word is like uh like resume you know resume is a borrowed word it's not english hors d'oeuvres is not is another borrowed word that's not english there's a lot of those are just the two that came to mind they're just words that we have used that become part of the culture and i think but Honestly, nobody's, I trying think
0: to, nobody's trying to use that to sell you something, though. No, that's true. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I, think, I think that's the part where it becomes... Oh, that's the
1: other thing, because they can easily trade copyright it, and they could trademark it. And then, next thing you know, like, bodegas that have a name, you know, bodega San Martin,
0: well, and I bodega think that's whatever. The, the other, that's the other part where it becomes a bad name for the thing, because I don't think how you could trademark that. How, how do you defend that trademark?
2: Yeah, right. And it's a, it's an actual it, word in a language.
0: Right. Yeah. So that that's that's an impossible thing to defend. So I don't know. I uh, I think a, as I said earlier a very dumb idea. Yeah,
1: I think <laughs> I, I really like what I've, what uh, one of my friends posted. Like she called them tech bros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as tech to the bros. Tech bros. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, Un- you know I mean? empathetic
0: tech bros. This, are, this is the sort of thing, this is the kind of thinking I think that ends up uh, one of the things I've seen, and I, I've never put it on the news here because it's not relevant to it, but uh, a company that's selling uh, one C's for men, but not one sees. what are they? Jumpers. <laughs> Jumpers for oh, men. Oh, I was going to get you one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the romper, it's a romper. Yeah, a it's rumper, a romper. yeah that's right, the romper for men. Yeah, I was going to get you one, but they don't make them in, in extra large Peruvian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But it, it's just one of those things that it's like, who's that even for? Like, it doesn't. I don't know. Anyways, that that's neither here nor but there. But it became
2: quite a quite a funny joke, though.
0: It did. Yeah. But and that's the thing is, it was a joke, right? It, it, I don't know. I can't imagine they're in business or they're actually selling any. I
1: bet you
0: they did. I, and I also I, I don't see how this thing is gonna put any actual store out of business. I just
2: don't. No. But you know, I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, there's a company called Fastenal, and by the way, it's not a Fastenal. plug for them. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a plug for them. It's just a it's a, it's a company that we deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, and it's very interesting. So they sell industrial um, parts, a lot of fasteners. Mm-hmm. In fact, the majority of their business is fasteners. Um, but they have a, an interesting uh, model if you're a large enough company. And the only reason I know about it is because they've pitched the idea to me. Uh, If you're a large enough company, they will supply you with a vending machine Mm -hmm. for a lot of the industrial parts that you use on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, nuts and bolts, something as simple as nuts and bolts and all kinds of different types of fasteners and screws and rivets. If -hmm. there is a group of fasteners uh, or hardware that you use on a regular basis, it becomes a bit of a nightmare to make sure you have it on hand all the time if the guys are taking it out and they're not letting you know, you won't find out it's gone until it's too late when you need it for a job and it has to leave that day. Right. So then you get frantic, running around looking for hardware all over the town, all over town, so you can make sure the job leaves. So they have these, um, these uh, it's uh, they're vending machines that you punch in um, what item you want. It dispenses it and then automatically sends inventory numbers to the company. And when it's low, they they come and restock it. You never have to worry about it. At mm-hmm. the end of the month, they send you a bill, mm-hmm. which is an interesting uh, concept. And a lot of other comp- a lot of industrial co- other industrial companies have kind of got on board with it as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. So to me, this idea uh, of this uh, of this little vending machine store, I guess is <laughs> how you would describe it. If it only dealt with necessities, things like soap, um, you know, toilet paper, things that you would use on a daily basis that you don't have to run to the store, I think it might be for me a more appealing idea. But I agree that that uh, some of the product that they're that they're trying to sell for the market that they're dealing with uh, is counterintuitive. It seems it seems like a very strange thing.
0: Yeah, I would say, like, I think the thing that you just mentioned, the company you just mentioned, I mean, I think that solves an actual problem, right? Like, that is a yep. problem that you have. Absolutely. But it, it's very different than this. Like, this isn't a problem that needs solving. Nobody <laughs> is thinking to themselves, like, you know what I need today? I need some stale potato chips from <laughs> from, Warm this soda. Pretent- from this pretentious box. Yeah. Like, I don't need that. Like, that's not a thing. And you know, I... What and if you're
2: sitting in your apartment and you say, I need some warm uh, orange soda imported from Italy?
0: Yeah, no, that's not going to happen with that's me. Gonna... <laughs> but, I mean, and maybe there's somebody out there, but yeah. why wouldn't they already have their six-pack of this, this pretentious orange soda, <laughs> right? And then the second yeah. thing that you said, said, which was that, you know, if they dealt with toiletries, essentially is what you were saying, right? Essentials, yeah. But the problem with that, though, is that, people, th- that's very personal for people. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't use just any toilet paper. They don't uh. use just any toothpaste. Especially, you know, pretentious people that want a pretentious <laughs> box for this sort of thing. They're not just, yeah. you know, they, they get their moisturizer from a certain place and it has to have the glitter in it or whatever. Oh no, you know, it's it
1: worse than that. But I'm just me. saying,
0: it's, like, I just don't, I don't think this is a problem. It, and especially living in a, the world that we live now where like you can just have Amazon order your stuff for you when it supposedly knows that it's getting low. Like it learns your pattern and it'll start ordering it from you. What is yeah. that and it'll show up on your door? What is the point of this thing? Like yeah. if anything, vending machines are more irrelevant every day. You know? I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> it's you know, you all say that. But uh at the Wilson building, which is DC's town hall or like yeah, City
3: City mm-hmm. Hall. City Hall,
1: yeah. Um they have they like in the elevators there's this little sign that says, Oh, come by uh, you know, the third floor. There's a new grocery store. And it's literally one of these things. Really? And, yeah. And and
3: it's, not, a, it's, not, that it's not this
1: one, but it looks like it. It's literally like this case that, mm-hmm. you know, like that you you I don't I don't even know how you open it. I mean, I I think it's it's very much like this. Mm-hmm. Um But I think that the the idea is that, oh well, you wouldn't be able to You know, like that way you don't leave your office or you don't leave the building. No, but I bet
0: those are there. Well, one, that's in a workplace, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not people that are living in in an apartment building and they're like, oh, uh, you know what I need is some stale potato chips. Like if you, and it's it's an office of
2: (laughs) That one really gets you, right? The stale potato chips. (laughs) Yeah, well, I hate hate stale
0: potato chips. I don't understand why people eat stale popcorn as well. I I, I don't get it, but... just because you you covered in cheese doesn't make the popcorn, the stale popcorn taste any better. Um, but anyways, like you're talking about an office setting and you're talking about an office of politicians. They don't have even time to maybe necessarily run out and get something. So sure, they're going to stop by. There are some people that are there for a, um, a hearing for the day. So they might go get something
1: mm-hmm. because
0: they need something at that minute.
1: So I have a really good question for Jose. Yeah. What if they had mayonnaise and you were <laughs> out of mayonnaise and you needed, like, emergency ASAP. mayonnaise? Emergency yeah. mayonnaise.
0: Well, first of all, a, a pretentious vending machine like this one is not just going to have mayonnaise. They're probably going to have, like, mayonnaise with olive oil, like your mom tries to give me all the time.
3: <laughs> or they're
0: going to have some, they may with have range eggs. Yeah, yeah free range. You know, I, I don't, which it's actually a thing. I, I'm not making up Dijonais yes. That's a thing. Um, or like some kind of artisanal mayonnaise, and I don't want that. I just want regular mayonnaise.
1: But if because they had me, it, you would uh, get it. No, I would
2: just go to a CVS and get it. <laughs>
0: There's a CVS in the corner. I don't need the, this. Is not well, needed by anybody. At
2: two in the morning, you're fresh out of mayonnaise for. Well, your... that never happened That really never happens to me.
0: Let's just be honest. You guys have known me now for twenty years. When have you known me to be out of mayonnaise? Yeah. I'm guessing you
2: have like uh, you have like three backup. Jars of mayonnaise.
0: I have I have a stash, I usually have one at work. I I have, you know, the little packets that they that they give you at at some (laughs) restaurants. I keep those just in case I run out of mayonnaise. Yeah. And pretty much everywhere where I go and people serve me food now that like, you know, at Claudia's mom's house. She knows she has to have mayonnaise there. And I've had a conversation with her about this olive oil based mayonnaise. That that's not acceptable. It's
1: not
2: acceptable. It's yeah. just not that, that, that does not happen. Wow. You know anybody would think that you'd die without it.
0: Uh, well, I mean, you know, some people drink might. coffee. Some people yeah. some people can't, can't be without coffee or whatever. I just I like mayonnaise, you know. I don't drink coffee for example. I don't understand why you guys run waters through dirt and then drink it. <laughs> I do not get that. But that's just me. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Let's go on to the next story. Another I think very dumb idea. <laughs> but here for your um, entertainment pleasure maybe. I don't know what this is for. You have 50 urban blocks offered inspiration for stumped city designers. Claudia, you've been a city designer?
1: Yeah, and I've what never you... been a stumped city designer. I'm yeah. sorry, but if you're a stumped city designer, you need to move on from well, they careers. Let's just, you know, like really try doing something else. Like you you've you've read way too many anti-NIMBY books for well, you. so tell me the
0: <laughs> purpose of this, because it's not a game.
1: It's... It's not. I, like, I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, they, they, they do compare it to the um, Cards Against Urbanity or the, you know, like, I don't know, architecture thing, playing cards. Remember the card? We, didn't we cover yeah, that this, one time? Like, we, we did. We, we was, actually that did That was a
0: product of the week. Of, I, don't, I forget which week it was. Um... But yeah, we've talked about playing cards, right? Those were playing cards that were themed after architects.
1: So this is supposed to be a tool for, again, stumped city designers. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I guess we have a lot of them. um, Who, like, they just want to be able to explain floor area ratio to to their clients or to themselves. (laughs) Which, you know, again, you you should know what FAR is if you are an urban planner. Um, But I think it's, in terms of like clients, that's the only thing that I would say that this is beneficial. Or, I, I go to a lot of community events and community meetings, and trying to explain to someone what density really means
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in terms of scale, like the physical aspect of what density entails, mm-hmm. this is somewhat helpful. Um, but I, I would also be kicked in the head if I were to show up. To you know, a community meeting with these silly cards and like start you know passing them.
2: Mm. We should try that. We should yeah, and literally, I will get, get
1: like I will like get stuff thrown at me. But um, other than that, these are they're also very intricate. I think I wish mm. they would have made them less intricate. They have good information. You mean
0: intricate I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a
1: lot of stuff going on in the whole thing, and, it, and and they're in Spanish too. So these, like oh yay, they don't discriminate for the stumped. City designer in español. Mm. I don't know. But anyways, I'm just being too sarcastic.
2: So,
0: what about you, Ray? You you ordering a set yeah. of this?
2: Um, <laughs> I'm ordering a set just to give it to Claudio so she can <laughs> pass it out at the next meeting to see if, in fact, the <laughs> kick in the head.
3: <laughs>
2: um. Yeah. You know, I was confused by this. I'm like, why would anybody need? If you are in this business, right? Um you should know all this stuff backwards and forwards mm-hmm. so to me i don't think that their their target market is the quote unquote urban planner or or, or city designer it because it doesn't make sense for that to be <laughs> to be the case um, so what i think this is is maybe a a toy cuz I I, I, I I don't take this seriously so to me it's like some kind of card game card toy mm-hmm for uh people who think that they might be city designers i've never seen a floor plan and you know don't never open a code book don't know what the an far is i mean it it
3: it is when you
0: say when you say that people that think they might be like you're not talking about like a high school kid that's about to graduate i'm starting to decide what he's gonna do you are not you don't mean that you mean people that pretend to be
2: yes i would say maybe that's (laughs) <laughs> That's the best way to describe it, okay. because uh, it's it's like a nonsense thing. I mean, it's it's all factual information, mm-hmm. but when it comes to you know planning of any kind, it's 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 nonsense. You wouldn't. This is not particularly useful for you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how this is helpful for for anyone, even their so-called stumped city designer, because I agree with Claudia. If this is a tool you actually need, you're in the wrong business.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I mean I agree with both of you. I like the only use that I could come up with this things for is like, I think this is a gag gift that you would get somebody you know that's a planner. Like <laughs> yeah, it's maybe. like the what is it was it Spencer's where you would go get oh yeah, oh, yeah, one yeah, could yeah. Go yeah get like game. if there was a Spencer's of architecture and planning and whatever like this would be the one item there I guess along with the playing cards that have <laughs> Miss Vanderrode in it. <laughs> um, yeah. But cause like that's the only you like. That's a very you know.
2: small market though. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. It's a very niche yeah. market to <laughs> say the least. Yeah, like you're not keeping Spencer's open with discards.
2: No, you're not. Um. Yeah.
1: So the word that we planners use, that we real planners use, <laughs> I guess, unlike fake planners, is armchair planners.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and, um, for the, this is the person that pretends, like, great. Right? Yeah, pretenders, posers.
1: Yeah, posers mm-hmm. out there who like to use the word imby and nimby mm-hmm. and, and all of those words without really understanding what it means. And, um, but there is, like, there's, like, I mean, there's a bunch of, like, armchair planners. There's even, like, Facebook page. I'm, like, trying to see this there is aren't, one. Aren't, yeah,
0: this is, uh,
1: there's armchair geographers. There's armchair engineers. There's, this
0: like. This going to be a bit of an inside joke, but this is, these aren't newbies. <laughs> that you would say earlier right?
1: no these are not newbies because okay. even a newbie would understand a little bit more about what's going on because they we'll, would have will have to yeah. tell you
0: about this maybe off air will tell you <laughs> yeah I gotta family. hear that yeah. Um, yeah like the closest thing I could compare this to is um, uh, a few years ago one of my bosses it was Christmas is when I was working for a firm where it was just me and the person that owned the firm and then we ha- hired another guy for Christmas, you know, we would, you give each other gifts, right? You're working with this with people. And he gave me a book. But the book, I forget, it's on the bookshelf over there. Um, it's called A Hundred Things I Learned in Architecture School yep. to Remember or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, and it, it, it's like made out of cardboard. It looks, it's very silly looking. But at least that book was supposed to be like, oh, you know, if you if you're ever working and you're struggling with design or whatever, you know, look through this book and it'll remind you the stuff we learned in architecture school and then you'll be able to like go back to work fresh yeah. or whatever, you know, and it was a book mm-hmm. but this is just pl- I don't even, like, they're playing cards that aren't for playing, I don't, I don't get it it's like,
2: <laughs> I don't get it yeah, they're they are not even playing cards, they're just cards
0: yeah, it they're like flash cards I
3: you know what
2: they also- are, they're <laughs> are like index cards that somebody else made for you
1: Yes, and yeah. I I I wanted to, and then I stopped myself, like to check who this A plus architecture. Um, a
2: plus T, yeah. T,
1: yeah. Like it's it, I don't know if they're they're like product makers or if they're a, a um, um publishers or they're an actual firm, but yeah, that just yeah, that's just the other thing. But anyways.
2: Well, here's I, the thing: I wanted to see how much they were. I could not find a link to to purchasing it.
0: Oh. Well man, that's the thing. I wonder if sometimes people just put this stuff out there and then see the response before they actually try and market it and sell it. Oh
2: no, here it is. I found it. No, oh, you found it? Okay. Yeah. Fifteen Euros. There we go. Fifteen? Yeah. Fifteen Euros, yeah. Fifteen Euros, okay.
3: For a
1: deck of cards.
0: That's not for playing. <laughs> yeah. At least there's fifty of them, I guess. Yeah. You could if you can figure out what to do with one of them, you could do it with all of them. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. You know what? You know what they'd be great for? When you have a wobbly table, I bet they're <laughs> nice, heavy cardstock <laughs> that you could slide in there to shim it up a little bit. And if not, you fold it in two and you, you keep folding until it keeps that table from wobbling.
2: I think they'd be great for that. You know what? I think I'm going to get this for you, Claudia. How, how do you think of that? <laughs> Like I you mean, better not is, spend fifteen euros on this. You better not, please. No, no, better no. Yeah. Better
0: not. I mean I really think that's the only it's it's a guy gift. Other than being a guy gift, I don't know what they're for. Yeah. 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 Alright, let's move on to the last story. Um, maybe the least of the silliest. I mean after a bar the bar has been set pretty high, but still. <laughs> So this article says IKEA's doomed quest to design a couch you can carry, and I like the first line: "Sometimes an idea is so good you have to try it and fail twice." Yeah. So I mean, what do you think about this, Claudia? This the, the ugliest couch I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, I you know it's funny because in the in the article they talk about like the sort of like the mantra of IKEA and and what is it called it's like um you have to be brave curious and rebellious sometimes if you want to be a designer or or an innovator and i I I just say you have to be brave curious rebellious to say no next Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. move on to something else (laughs) because apparently like it takes like you know one to be like brave in order to say no to someone and say no this won't work
0: i mean i disagree with that to begin with, like I don't think you have to be both a brave, curious, someone with the third one,
1: uh, rebellious. rebellious.
0: I, I I agree with one out of the three. I think you have to be curious to be a good designer. Yeah. Aside from that, I don't think you have to be the others.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't want to take away the the aspect of failure because we talked about failure mm-hmm. before, and you know, it's it's okay, it's it's good to embrace failure, and but you also have to think like, like you, you know, this was not gonna work. Right, it just was not going to work at the scale. To me, that's the other part. Like a couch, Mm -hmm. it's not a chair. It's not a um, uh, a small like little stool, Mm. right? Because that's been done before as well. Uh, That's a blown up. I I mean, I guess they they figured you can do that with a blow up bed. Um,
0: But that's solving a problem.
1: Yes. And, and it's also, like, been gone through multiple iterations to mm-hmm. fix, to make sure that it works, right? And mm-hmm. there's, you know, that's why the pumps uh, are out there. And that's why the cost of it has also lowered down. And that's mm-hmm. why you don't use heat and, like, hot air to <laughs> mm-hmm. to do it. So, I don't know. It was just, it, it, was, it seemed interesting. I do have to say the problem, as a woman, I, like, being able to pick up a couch mm-hmm. would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, because, you know, a light couch, that's something that, I like, as, I, as I'm cleaning, like, I, I like to do that, you know, like, I would, like, love to, you know, I was just, like, cleaning our couch, and I needed to put, um, uh, our dog has fleas, so then, you know, it was, like, I needed to make sure that we, it didn't go in our couch, so I was treating it, trying mm-hmm. to lift it, like, there's no way I was gonna be able to do that,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, so... I did my best, but <laughs> that's a problem that needs to be fixed. So I think IKEA needs to work on that, making a couch that is not as heavy.
0: All right, Ray. What do you think about this? Well, you know, thing? it's <laughs>
2: interesting. Yeah, um, forget the design. I mean, <laughs> just forget about the whole <laughs> design of the thing. Um, and I don't know if I don't know if you touched on it um, when you first introduced it, but it's an inflatable furniture. Is what it is. Yes. Sorry. Right. So the their premise that the model of ikea being able to fit everything into a very tightly packed box so you're not transporting air from the factory to the warehouse shipping it across in a container to you know a distribution center and in a store for storage that their model of efficiency in uh, design and packaging uh, couldn't be overcome when it comes to standard furniture like a couch or, a, or an armchair, sofa, things like that. But it just so happens that I had, and I don't know if you guys remember, you you helped me move a few times, so you, you should have mm-hmm. seen it. My, in fact, I think you've slept on it a few times. Uh, my uh, my IKEA sofa. It had like a sofa mm-hmm. and chaise attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That thing was exactly what they were trying to. Uh, make with their efficient design, so the you know had a base platform that was upholstered wood. It had separate feet, it had separate uh, arm steel reinforcements, and then the back and arms were all cushions. But all of it laid flat in a box, so they had solved the problem in one way, uh, and and that happened to be the reason I got that was because it had this. Uh, kit nature that uh, you could separate it because I lived in a spot that was very difficult to get furniture into.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And when it came to moving, it was very easy, and the whole thing was actually quite lightweight. <clears throat>
3: um,
2: and I ended up selling it for just a, a maybe 25% less than the purchase price, so it held its value as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That was one solution that was very successful. This solution is so off the wall for their market. You know, the, the people that purchase things at IKEA want high design, not necessarily well-made, but at a mm-hmm. at a moderate price. Mm-hmm. This thing kind of throws all that out because there's nothing, as far as design is concerned, that would indicate it is in the language of anything IKEA produces. And, of course, uh, it does keep... <laughs> It does keep that philosophy being poorly made, mm. but maybe too poorly made. Um,
1: <laughs> design. Even
2: yeah. for IKEA standard. Well, you're yeah. talking about the, the
0: world's ugliest steam bag that we're looking at here, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is
2: terrible. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, the, the sofa that I had was actually quite right, well-made. Quite yeah, made well, it was.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, but so I think that, that you're right. Um, what problem does it solve um, in, in Claudia's respect about lifting the couch and vacuuming under it? Um I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> I don't think most people find that as a problem. Whatever's under the couch, they just leave it there until the day they move, and then it, mm-hmm. you, you end up finding stuff. Um, well, so or the
0: solution to that is you lift the couch up above the ground on legs, right?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Ours is about three inches off the, off the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, Very I will project. tell you, mm-hmm. my wife does make me lift the couch for her to vacuum about twice a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I lift it twice a year, she vacuums under it, and that's about it. But I don't think it's a big... A big deal you don't want to do that with a sofa bed that's for sure right
0: yeah i mean yeah. i i look at this and i think i think they're trying to solve the wrong problem um it, because i you know their their first problem was you know couches don't fit the, the ikea model of the flat box, like you just said right yeah mm-hmm. um so to them that meant okay. Well, let's make it easy to l- make it lightweight and easy to lift, and let's make some kind of really ugly airbag. Um, but I think the problem is, is the the way because I think this still tries to look like couches that people. I guess maybe that's what's in style. That's what try to look like. I I miss the day where a couch didn't have to have every inch of it covered in fabric. Yeah. Right. And that, okay. and I okay. say okay. that I say that looking at our couches. Because it's an IKEA couch, it's, every inch of it is covered in fabric. But, you know, I go to some state sales and I see some of the mid century couches that are out there. And there were literally platforms made of wood that then you had cushions on top of. Yeah. Right? And then you would, yep. if you, you wanted, you could change the cushions, you could change. Whatever, whatever. Like, go back to that. That's the kind of couch, because not only that fits the IKEA aesthetic that they've had for so long. This sort of mid century look to a lot of their things. It, it just. This thing is just—it's awful looking. I, I don't even want to keep looking at it. I'm gonna have to switch the page. Um,
2: <laughs> but it's it, interesting it's, that they did—that they tried the whole model twice. Yeah,
0: that's—I—I I, I find yeah, that less interesting. Tried. You know, I've watched—I've been known to watch um, Shark Tank, and in the, in that show, uh, Kevin, right, Mister Wonderful, I think they call him, has a thing that he does all the time. It's like sometimes you have to take an idea out back and shoot it. And everybody calls him mean or whatever for saying that sort of stuff. But this is one of the things like, why did you go back to this twice? <laughs> yeah.
3: It,
0: it just, like that's not being point, afraid to fail. Right. Mm-hmm. When at some point, when you're a company that says you got to stop throwing good money after bad, right? Yep. <laughs> this is a perfect example of that, I think.
2: So, I don't know. I, but you know what? I wonder if, you know, the first time might have been an honest mistake. But the second time, I'm wondering if they're like, you know what? We're making too much money. We need to write something off here. Let's come up with a disaster, and we'll write yeah. some of it off.
0: What has failed in the past? Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, let's,
2: let's – it, it makes you suspicious. Like if you, if you have a business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have good years that make money, and then you have bad years that you lose a little bit of money. But if you are consistently losing money year after year after year – um, the IRS will say, hey, why are you in a business that you lose money in? That doesn't make sense.
3: Mm-hmm. I th-
2: We think you are doing something weird here.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, <laughs> I think when you, they tried an idea and it failed, and uh, they're like, you know what? I think we need to try that again.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Tells me that they were trying to write, write off maybe, it could have been the most, the most productive year they ever had and the most profitable year.
3: And they're <laughs> like, oh yeah. man,
2: we're going to pay so much tax because we're in Sweden and the, the tax rate is so high. Uh, we need to write something off. Let's, let's let's go in the books and see what's our biggest failure yet, and do
3: it again. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah That's why they they have done it again this year. That's why they said, oh, you know what? Some people tend to like our meatballs. Other ones think they're disgusting. So, you know Rancid make...
3: meatballs. I hate mm-hmm. those.
0: Yeah. Let's make them worse <laughs> by make some out of chicken and some out of vegetable. Now. <laughs> uh,
2: what are they thinking?
3: How are <laughs> they, are they
1: coming up with? Uh, <laughs> You're too much, You're
2: too that's hard. how I call them. I call them rancid Swedish meatballs. <laughs>
0: <Have> you <been laughs> to, you've not been to an Ikea lately, they literally have now started making chicken ones. No, and they've started I... making vegetable
2: balls. No, I, I'll i uh, tell you what, I had um half of one of their meatballs, and that was too much. <laughs> I, I wish I hadn't had half of that meatball, <laughs> <laughs> and that was like 10 years ago. So, hmm. no, I haven't, I hmm. haven't, and I haven't stepped foot in an Ikea in at least five eight years something like that well, I mean, you, don't
0: have, you don't have one near you anymore no right yeah. yeah probably since you moved i mean yeah because you had one in yeah. baltimore but since you moved from baltimore you don't have one near you anymore
3: yeah yeah,
0: yeah. 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 all right let's uh, let's stop with the bad ideas and let's talk about first our main topic which is going to be what software we use and why so let's go to that our main topic i I thought we would you know we've mentioned oftentimes you know different software that we all use depending on the topic whether it's you know 3d modeling or we've talked about you know different things we use ourselves i figured this time we would just sort of go through we could take turns just sort of mentioning a piece of software we use why we use it what we like about it maybe pros cons that sort of thing we could uh you know just go back and forth the the three-person ping-pong table as i mentioned before you
3: know
2: <laughs> the, yeah, you designed one, didn't you?
0: I did actually. I, I not remember. I did design That's one. I have I have a thing on a YouTube channel. Yeah. I'll put a link to it on this. You <laughs> should build one. Uh maybe when I have more time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in space. Yeah.
0: And I still gotta come up with rules for it. Because I did yeah. I came up with the look of it, but never came up with rules because how would that work, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Alright, so who wants to go first? Claudia? All Why right. don't you throw one out there? What what's one piece of software you use?
1: All right. Um, and why. Why, is it... why do I use it? Yeah. I mean, I literally looked up my resume <laughs> and what I put in there. Okay. <laughs> and that, that kind of gave me a good idea. Um, so I do a lot of uh, statistical analysis, and uh, I use GIS um, in order to mm-hmm. uh, map data mm-hmm. uh, and also analyze data because you can definitely do both. Um, you can also visualize data, which is pretty cool. Because, you know, like, some examples like um, voter registrations or um, uh, voter turnout, mm-hmm. right? Like, a lot of those things, like, are usually this massive... Like This is a, a new one that I've used. I mean, let me use this example instead. So right now I'm doing some um, advocacy on uh, public schools and charter schools and... Uh, English, uh, non-English speaking students or um, limited English uh, population hmm. and um, so we needed to assess how many, of the, how many students are in which schools and to be able to figure out the policies that we're trying to pass, right, this hmm. particular law. And while that's really, it's, it's about, you know, like 200, it's a, set, it's a data set of like 200 items um, it would be really good to actually visualize where are these are these students, mm-hmm. what schools are they, and how are they moving, and then also seeing it in a temporal way. Have they increased? Have they decreased? Have they increased in this specific geogra- uh, ge- geography or location uh, because of immigration or migration within the city or displacement within the city? So
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, to visualize all of those, um, to visualize this tabular data, I use GIS to be able to actually geolocate this, this particular students in their schools. Quick question for you. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that actually the name of the software?
1: So it, it is It is ArcGIS. ArcGIS
0: yeah, Because isn't GIS sort of like a broad way of this, it's like saying CAD? It's
1: Geographic Information Systems is what mm-hmm. GIS stands for. Sorry, and I should have said that in the beginning. And um, it's interesting because it's done by ESRI. ESRI is the company. Mm-hmm. And um, I forget what the... It's uh, Environmental Science Research Institute, I think it's called. Like they, mm-hmm. like they literally started doing, um, created and produce. Uh, yeah, and created this this software for um, natural resources assessments, at first, and just you know visualizing large scale data. Mm-hmm. Um, census uses it a lot. For example, you can grab any piece of data on the census and really geo. Analyze or, or um, yeah, using GIS. The other thing about um, GIS is that it's not as far as a platform. It's not or ArcMap. Uh, it's not for Mac. Mm-hmm. It's proprietary, and for some reason, it's only like so. It's only on on a PC, mm-hmm. and it's very expensive. So yeah, you do now. They have it um, that you can buy. Uh, you can purchase. A student version or a learner version for like a hundred dollars a year, which is not mm-hmm. that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have nonprofit uh, work that you can do if you do, if you are a nonprofit, you can get it for for a low cost or no cost. But um, it is expensive because you, it, it's just the data that analyzes things. You still have to get the data mm-hmm. as well. So sometimes data costs. So yeah.
0: Is there an alternative to this?
1: Yes, there are plenty of um, oh,
0: so there are cheaper versions. Open source. Oh, there yes. are
1: plenty of open source. Um,
0: so why are GIS opposed to an open source one?
1: So, the main purpose is that you can get raw data. It's very much like Adobe. I'm sure you're going to talk about that as mm. well. Whether you, you use a raw version of a file. Mm-hmm. Or you use just a Photoshop, a JPEG, or a PSD version of the file, right? Mm-hmm. So, in terms of GIS, open sourcing is it's the very typical PDF format or or a or a JPEG format. Mm-hmm. If you really want to get to the um, to the specific details about that data and and analyze it in then you have you would have to use it in GIS if you want to do analytical analysis if you want to do algorithms if you want to do queries if you want to do you can do some of those things on online, mm-hmm. um, but then there's limits on also in how much like the the capacity of of the open source in terms of processing mm-hmm. this large set data sets, so you can do that in GIS. The other thing is is um, you usually get the data the raw data from uh, NASA, you know, or mm-hmm. like different uh, federal agencies, and you will get it in GIS format. So you, in order to be able to put it in this open source, you have to like
2: process it do something. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: cool. That's, that's one. Ray, what about you? You got something?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, you know, some of the software that we use on a daily basis is pretty common, uh, but there's one particular uh, software suite that I use I'm not sure if you guys ever had a chance, but it's called SolidWorks. It's made by DeSalt Systems, and it is actually quite expensive. And what's nice about it is it is designed um, – it's a lot like Revit, if you've ever used Revit. Yeah. But whereas Revit is made for architecture and buildings and building systems, um, SolidWorks is made specifically for uh, modeling – uh, objects or components of machinery or, or industrial design. Now you can model anything you want but uh, with the features in it that lets you do stress analysis um, uh, because you can do different materials. You can actually define the material and it has tables in it that allow you to do uh, stress analysis on the parts to mm-hmm. see if there's any issues or any high load uh, situations that you might need to compensate for in your design. Uh, it also, if you're doing moving uh, parts like machines, it will also interpret any areas that might interfere. So you can easily sit down and design something on paper and think you've got it all worked out. And then when you go to build it, you find that one part actually will interfere with another part and it won't work. Uh, it doesn't usually happen with uh, simple things. But when you when you're building a machine and it's got hundreds of moving parts, it can sometimes... Be an issue that comes up that then needs to be resolved in the middle of manufacturing so it's a very nice feature that allows you to uh, Pre-run I guess is the way you could describe it. You can pre-run a uh, a Component or parts of a machine to see if you have any actual um, uh, Interference issues, so uh, it's a very nice system Um, As far as 3d modeling is concerned. It's it's very fast. You wouldn't think that it'd be uh, so fast that it'd use a lot of, of uh, computer processing power, but it doesn't. I think Form Z was more uh, more intense on the processor of the computer than, than SOLIDWORKS cool. is. Now, if you ever used AutoCAD, you've, you probably remember that the 3D function is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say, oh, man, I love the 3D in AutoCAD. Mm-hmm. It was the worst ever made. Yeah. This is the exact opposite. This is beautiful for doing uh, 3d i mean that's what it was designed to do and it does a fantastic job Mm -hmm. i've never used inventor so i don't know how it compares and i haven't used uh, fusion 360 so i don't know how it compares but those are some alternate uh, software that does the same or similar Mm -hmm. uh, than solidworks but solidworks is pretty much the industry standard Uh, Mm -hmm. i get solidworks files all the time and of course, it has a nice little drafting feature. So when you design a part or a product and you or a machine or an assembly uh, or weldments, I do weldments all the time. Once that's all done, you can make drawings for each individual part to have it manufactured. And the assembly, you can do exploded axonometrics. And number all yeah. your, uh, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. yeah, and the exploded is easy. You say, here's my thing, explode it, and boom, <laughs> it, it, cool. it explodes it for you. And then you can pull out each indi- individual component on a drawing and and use it as an, as an exploded exonometric. So as far as the features and time-saving ability, it is uh, incredible. Now, uh, to be clear, I've got nothing to do with them. I just like using <laughs> the product. Yeah. I don't have stock in them or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I like using their product. I think it's an excellent product. My one gripe, like everything is, you know, there's pros and cons. Um, the, the one issue is there is no way you can make a file. If you're using the latest version, you cannot save as a previous version to then send it to someone else who doesn't have the latest and greatest mm-hmm. version of, of SolidWorks. It is, I think it's intentional is a way that they, they have designed the software so they can monopolize the uh, the industry so there are, there are companies that always get the latest and greatest of every software you know they get a subscription they uh, they as soon as the new one comes out they get it well now they've issued a drawing that nobody else can open so that forces smaller vendors to upgrade whether they can afford it or not it just forces them to do it because they cannot serve their customer without having the latest version so that would be my gripe about it. But other than that, it's fantastic software.
0: Yeah, no, I've, heard of, I've never used SolidWorks. Um, I've heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. I have used one of the other ones you mentioned, which is Fusion 360, that's the one I use actually to whenever I'm making something to just 3D model. That's what I'll use, I use Fusion 360, which from what you've always told me about um, SolidWorks, Fusion 360 is essentially Autodesk's. Attempt at making something like SolidWorks. It's like SolidWorks Lite, if you will, because it has some of the, the stress testing uh, features. You can make assemblies as well. I think mm-hmm. you can do exploded. I've never tried doing it. Um, they just added a feature that's uh, it's called sheet metal, where you can like literally oh, bend yeah. things mm-hmm. like a, like a sheet of metal, and then you can flatten yep. it out. Things like that. SolidWorks does that too. Yeah. So I think they're clearly copying SolidWorks they're trying to try and make a. a Uh, a product similar to it and they're making it free
3: (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're making it free
0: to try and gain a a certain amount of market share you know if you're that's that's the thing that's appealing about SolarWorks to so many people if you are if you're using it for non-commercial purposes or if you're a startup you get it for free for a year and then when that year is up you can just say yeah I'm still a startup and re-up it for another year so
2: is that uh, Fusion?
0: Yeah, it's Fusion 360. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I might just download it at home and give it a try.
0: Yeah, it's fairly easy to, to use and test out. You should, you should do it. It's just to test it out. Like I said, yeah. it's, it's nice for, you know, if I'm modeling an object that I'm just going to 3D print,
2: that's what I use. It's, you know what's interesting? Yeah. The fact that they're giving it away for free reminds me of the whole Microsoft Internet Explorer deal. Right.
3: Remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. And it worked? It, mm-hmm. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> they, they pushed out a lot of other companies that were charging for browsers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, right, so the one I'm, I guess I'll start by talking about is uh, two products that are made both made by Autodesk because, you know, being in mostly architecture, the, the things that we use are uh, Autodesk's AutoCAD, and I also use Revit quite a bit. Um, and the reason I link them together is because Autodesk has linked them together. Like you can no longer buy just Revit. You can no longer buy just AutoCAD.
2: You oh
3: really?
0: To, you have to buy them both now. You have to buy them both, and only by you can only get Revit by subscription now. You can't get it on its own. Huh. Um, uh And the you know similarly to SolidWorks, it it doesn't let you save back down. So once you've used the 2016, forget about using 2015. You, once you've upgraded to that, your files will no longer work with anything lower than that.
2: Yeah, that is quite yeah. annoying.
0: Yep, And even to the degree AutoCAD has become that way. At least AutoCAD lets you save down. But like, let's say you were steadfast in having AutoCAD 2000 and you never wanted to change from it. Why am I going to pay for anything different? Yeah. Um, you, If somebody sends you a file that they saved in 2016, they have to have taken the step to save it down to 2000.
2: Yeah. Otherwise, it won't open. Mm. And, you know, you bring up a good point because I've had that issue with vendors that don't know how to do that. Right. They're like, this is the file. I'm like, yeah, all you got to do is go in, this, in your save as settings mm-hmm. and change it. And completely lost, no idea how to do that. So you are yeah, to trying to keep your patience. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to hold your patience. Like, look, it's a very simple, basic thing. Here's the go follow, and they can't do it. So, yeah, it has become an issue in the past. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah but uh i mean autocad and revit have become the standard just because they have so much of a market share yeah um i remember when we were in school you know autocad didn't have a revit like product which i guess for people that don't know i should autocad is essentially a two-dimensional drafting software mm-hmm. right um and it's it very good have, at that it is yeah it's, The best is the the standard when it comes to that. It has 3D features, but they've never been great. Um, To the point where I think, because they weren't great, Autodesk went out and bought 3D making soft... 3D softwares from other companies to bolster their 3D software, if you will. You know, that's why they ended up with 3D Studio Max and and Revit. Revit was also purchased. Um, Revit, on the other hand, is essentially aimed at architecture, and you actually build a model of the building in the software that then you can, you know, once you have this model, you can essentially slice it to look at your plans and sections and elevations and whatnot. Um, And I think Revit has become the standard because AutoCAD has such a large share of the market as it was. You know, when we were going to school, the first one to come out to do the things that Revit does was Archicad. Yes. And mm-hmm. you guys remember Archicad. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. I remember trying Archet when we were. Are they still, still around? around? They're still around. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys remember, it was terrible. Like I oh, tried yeah. it, it was the worst. <laughs> like, I I I looked at it I'm like, yeah, people are never gonna switch from AutoCAD to this with the way this functions. This will serve nobody but like maybe a residential architect. And even then it's like why would they spend this much time doing this? Um, but Revit came out and has managed to grab quite a bit of the market share. And I think, in large part, it's because they can force people to switch to Revit. Yeah. You know, but I mean, you know, I've done it for essential projects. I I did an entire history renovation of a historical theater in Revit.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We did the full set of drawings completely in Revit. We built it. It's built in New Orleans, all out of Revit. And and you know, it's a very powerful uh, piece of software. So.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned this, but so you can use it on a Mac.
0: Revit? Yeah. No. But AutoCAD, yes. AutoCAD, no. No, <laughs> no. None of, none of, none of, well, I think AutoCAD, now you can. But for the longest time, none of Autodesk's product ran on a Mac. Um, but I think Revit still cannot run on a Mac. Yeah. Okay. Um.
2: You know, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned um, ArchiCAD because mm-hmm. when I moved to Baltimore, I interviewed at a firm mm-hmm. that did a lot of residential work, but their entire system was all Mac-based. So mm-hmm. they only used ARCHICAD yeah, yeah. that's all they used yeah. so if I had gone to work there I would have had to uh, re-learn use it. that mm-hmm. yeah Re- relearn how to draw in a, mm-hmm. in a different bit of software but I've never I remember ARCHICAD never used it mm-hmm. um, and I never did a project in Revit although I did I took a class and I started uh, using it at the firm where I was working mm-hmm. and then I'd left to go to the machine job mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm surprised over the last 10 years, so many firms have switched to Revit that it's definitely like people look for people that are just in Revit. Um, you know, like, as I mentioned, I just switched jobs. But when I was applying, some of the people were literally looking at me because not only have I run Revit, but I set Revit standards at firms that I've been in. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it's, it's become a large part of the, of the architecture side of things now. And you can you, know, you can export the 3D file to other softwares as well. That's the great thing that they've managed to do. So you can take your Revit model straight to, uh, even though now it's become more powerful as far as renderings, you can take that 3D model and you can export it to 3D Studio Max and make renderings there. They have started to develop, and it's still in its infancy, but you can upload it to, their, to the Revit website and make it into a virtual reality uh, environment. Oh. So you set your views that like you could, and then you could set it so that somebody could wear the virtual reality goggles and walk around, jump from view to view and look around and stuff. So they're huh. working that stuff out. Hmm.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, And I've, I would add just for AutoCAD is that it's like riding a bike. Like once you learn it once, you can pick it up again later. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And it's, yeah.
0: it's fairly easy to learn. It's about learning commands. And... And you know, just drawing. If you've mm-hmm. done any kind of drawing or technical drawing, it's fairly easy to learn.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I know a lot of people who are like you know, architects or people who have studied architecture, interior design, or anything else like that. Who've taken one class, just one basic class, back in college, mm-hmm. yeah. in CAD, and then like you know, they could like not use it for a while, and then ten years later, pick it pick it back up, and mm-hmm. you'll remember it. Yeah.
3: yeah,
2: and that and you do bring up a good point because. Um, I mean, I, I still use CAD every, every single day. Every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the last 20 years, I guess, I've been using it. So, so I've become very proficient, in like you guys have as well. Um, but it, it reminds me of something we touched on in the last, um, the last episode where you, know, you had people that did drafting. And for the longest time, hand drafting was, mm-hmm. was the standard. And you know the whole computer-aided drafting thing was very slow to come on. But one of the things that makes AutoCAD useful is not the ability to draw or or draft, because if you don't know how to draw,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. using the computer is not going to help you. (laughs) Right. Um, The only advantages are being able to print and scale and mirror and copy Mm -hmm. and do repetitive tasks very fast. Mm
3: -hmm. But if but you still have to
2: and making changes very quickly and documenting the changes and making you know different versions of files. Uh, if you can't draw, then it's not going to be a helpful bit of software. And it's not intuitive. That was the one thing about AutoCAD. When you first dive into, it was very confusing for me. It's a non-intuitive software package. And uh, like you guys, I took a class as well. And that kind of made things a little bit more understandable. Uh, but once you've got it, uh, you don't want to draw any other way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll
2: tell you, like, I, I mean, I've
0: been using it since I was 15, 14, 15. Um, like, I learned to draw, to hand draft as I was, and next to it, I was learning to use AutoCAD as well. And, uh, like, to me, it's become, I've used it for so long that it's become so easy to use that I, I draw things that I probably could draw something else. Like, when I was doing the logo from a photography company, I drew it in AutoCAD. <laughs> You yeah. know, because I could export it to whatever I wanted. I could, you, I can laser cut it. I can do all these things with it. You know, yeah. so, like, I draw in AutoCAD every day as well.
3: Yeah.
0: Things that probably don't need to be drawn in AutoCAD. Yeah. Like, uh, I
1: guess I'm I'm going to go to my,
3: should we go to the
1: next one? Yeah, you can go to the next one. Yeah, just to, to do a little transition. Like, so what, because I was I'm mentioning. I'm writing it down as we
3: go. Yeah, so yes, cool.
1: Feel free to continue. <laughs> yeah. So, so as I was mentioning, like, uh I use Adobe products, um, and I'm sure you guys are going to talk about different ones, but the one that I use a lot and I really like is Illustrator mm. um, and because it's vector-based, and I think it's because it is very reminiscent of CAD. Mm. And I found myself doing a lot of, yeah, like going back and forth from from CAD, putting it into an, uh, an Illustrator format, going into Illustrator, changing all the line weights, adding color, uh, but very preci- precision, right? So this is not a PSD. This is not pixel-based. And, um, and then going it's still, back...
0: It's still vector-based. It's, it's not still right, vector-based. Not vector-based. And then
1: going back to CAD again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, to me, like the, the, the workflow from one to the other is basically coloring in what you wouldn't be able to color in in CAD mm-hmm. um, when you use Illustrator. And it is, once again, it's one of those things that once you know one, one software... So I started, you know, when I was learning with any Adobe product, I started with Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in Photoshop, I would use the vector, the line, the a lot because I like to I like to be precise when I'm when I'm drawing. So then then I started using Illustrator and then InDesign, and they all technically have the same user interface. They do. Um, so it's really helpful in that sense to, like, learn, like, the layers, once you know the layers, once you know these things. I know, like, when I've talked to um, to students, just to get them started, uh, you know, like, a lot of the times, just within our, I'll say my, uh, like the communities I work with or the communities I, I'm part of, which are communities of color, low-income communities, like, we just don't have that mentorship on these mm-hmm. software. So I'm really glad that we're doing this this particular um show on on this, because there isn't usually someone that looks like you or, or can actually say, hey, you know, I, I had a hard time learning this as well, or I didn't have access to this software because it was really expensive. Um, and then how do you start learning it? And I remember like Photoshop is one of those first things that I always tell like students um, that are of low means. I'm like, you start with that. Mm-hmm. Because you'll you'll start understanding layers. You'll uh, showing, you'll start understanding what goes what's up in front, what's behind, and then you can move into CAD, and then you can go back, and that will get you started. So yeah, so to me, anything uh, Adobe related is, is something that I use, and I think for makers, um, it's a really good way of to brand your product or to create marketing materials for your product. Like creating those logos, creating those um, booklets about what you've done. So much of that is is, is done in Adobe And I also I don't know if you guys have ever experienced I remember I had this um, this one uh, it was a, uh, I think he was a he was already a principal in one of those large very expensive firms that I used to work in and he used to draw in Excel.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I what I've never heard of that.
1: Yeah, this guy was. I didn't like, know you
3: could draw an Excel. He was
1: like sixty, and like literally, he was trying to draw plans. I mean, he would he would somewhat accomplish it, not to scale or anything, but it was one of those things. They're like, more diagram. Like very, yeah, very yeah. diagrammatic. Like right. there were no like you know like wall thicknesses or anything anything like that. But it was it was to get diagrams off the ground as far as like a feasibility, a study of a space. You know, and then put labels on it. But to do it in, 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 in Excel, I was just like, just the fact that you were doing that, like, like, it's crazy. But at the same time, I guess props to you is what I told them. Um, but so many people will use PowerPoint in order to create graphics. Right. And it's so frustrating. I hate um, using Word, reason, for example. Yeah, oh. The
0: reason people do that is because they've used Word and they're familiar with uh, the Office interface. So they just decide. Okay, well, this can do those sort of things. So let me try and do that. Like the way he would draw plans um, was he, you basically, you know, it's cell based. So he would change the shapes of the cells or whatever, yeah. and then he would hide lines and mark lines and stuff like that. So he, he's basically just doing a diagram. I seen, I saw, I remember I once got a thing from a structural engineer that way, yeah. and I never used that guy again <laughs> because huh. it just didn't make sense. Like what? what are you doing? I, I just
2: didn't know you could do that in Excel. Right.
1: Yeah, like it's you're using it for for its, for a different purpose than what it's meant for, yeah. <laughs> but definitely like
2: yeah. But so. I wanted to ask you, Claudia, since you've been using Illustrator, because um, I remember using PageMaker. Did Illustrator replace that, or is that just something else? No, so PageMaker was replaced by InDesign. But InDesign,
1: exactly. So yeah, and InDesign is more to create to create a um, a report or a booklet. Um, so you you literally paint you're creating pages. Uh, and yeah. all and putting it all together, In Illustrator is very much like CAD, but in a in a graphic form. So you do have these artboards. So you have just like you would in you know like in, in, in AutoCAD, you eventually have your your sheets, final sheets, right? So this is the same thing. Like you draw on your sheet, and your sheet can be as big as whatever, or it can be as small as, as whatever. And you could draw hold on, and Hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait,
2: wait. It could be as big as whatever and as small as whatever? As whatever. So, yes. Wow.
1: Wow, right? <laughs> yeah, I that mean.
2: That is amazing.
1: What I mean is, like, you, know, you don't have to, like, stick to an 8.5 by 11 right. have format to a or a letter.
0: Right? But if you ever want yeah. to print it, you do. Or yes. whatever, yeah. because
1: no, but you can scale it. Like you see what I'm saying? Like yeah, your logo, based. your logo is going to be like within a, you know like a five like a, a five by five inch thing, mm. right? And this is vector based so it doesn't really matter. Like the the quality of it is always going to be very good. Um, so that's the that's the benefit.
0: In. If I could throw something in, so an alternative, if you you know, because again, the Adobe products cost so much money, and now they're subscription based or whatever. An alternative to Illustrator, which I've never used, but I've seen people use it, is uh, Inkscape. Inkscape is essentially Illustrator, but it's free, and it, yeah, you know, it doesn't have it. all the same things. But yeah, Inkscape is an alternative to to Illustrator. So if you've used Inkscape, Inkscape, have, Illustrator yeah. is sim- it's basically the same yeah. thing. That's
1: pretty cool. So yeah,
0: yeah. All right, Ray, it's your turn.
2: What you got? Well, um, there's, you know, we, we talked about uh, some of the standard software that we use in, mm-hmm. and kind of it overlaps in in the architecture industry and my current industry of manufacturing. Mm-hmm. There's one bit of software that is very interesting and it's called Sheet Lightning.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Sheet um, Lightning. I don't know why it's called Sheet Lightning, um, except for... Uh, that it had the basically the only function it has is a lot like the sheet metal function in uh, SolidWorks and, uh, and and Fusion 360, mm-hmm. where you can take a a, a piece of uh, you can take an object and convert it into sheet metal and define where it's bent or where it's rolled and things like that. Uh, this is a it's a very old-fashioned kind of interface, even though it's brand new. Uh, but it's an inexpensive program. I think it's a hundred dollars. Hmm. But what it lets you do is ultimately so much more powerful. Uh, so basically, you it works like an old DOS kind of drafting program where you would input your coordinates and hit enter, and it would start a point. And then you tell it go hmm. to another position and start a line. So instead of drawing um, point by point or line by line, you just uh, pick a basic form let's say you needed to make a cone
3: mm-hmm.
2: something as simple as a cone and the top of your cone needs to be square and let's say that square needs to be you know eight inches square mm-hmm. the bottom of your cone needs to be round and it needs to be an inch and a half in diameter and so as you know those those are two different sizes so mm-hmm. it's going to taper you can also tell that you know what i need to offset this taper it needs to be offset so that um, because there's a piece of equipment in the way that it's a vertical line on one side and all of the offset is on the opposite side, hmm. so that you don't have to have the center of the square and the center of the circle above each other. You can offset yeah. those centers, hmm. and you can even offset it to a corner, you hmm. can s- to the middle of a side, to a corner. You can actually go beyond. You punch, and then of course uh, the length, you know, the total height of your cone. Hmm. And it will automatically generate that cone, and show you what it would look like if you had you split it and, and opened it up and laid it flat on a sheet of metal. And and what it also does is because this uh, that shape is impossible to make using uh, any traditional kind of uh, metalworking. You kind of have to approach it piece by piece. So what it does is it also lays out these lines. And I did a video on this very uh, uh, concept. I'll, I'll send you that link so you can include yeah, it with the uh, podcast. Was, yeah. um, and what it does is it lays out the whole shape, to size, and it puts a mark on that entire surface. And that mark is a line. So it puts 36 lines. actually it puts 35 lines because since it's opened where it meets on itself is number 36. Mm-hmm. And and it evenly divides it. And basically everywhere there's a line is where you need to do a 10-degree bend. Mm. So you, you do a 10-degree bend at each of those locations and you end up creating this cone. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to really get your mind around. And if you tried to lay this out by hand, it would take forever. You could do it. This is not something you can't do by hand. Uh, and that's just one example. Um, and I use that example because I do a lot of cones, and I use it quite often. Mm. So, uh, and, and many times, uh, in fact, the example that I have a video on, it's, I think, 8 or 10 inches in diameter down to 2 inches in diameter. Mm. And uh, it looks impossible. It really does look like an impossible thing to do, mm-hmm. and it does it perfect every time. And the two ends are, are parallel to each other. It just mm. it does all the it calculation to make that happen.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah, because you could you could even like template that and stuff, but it would yeah. take time, and it would take yeah, time. It would take and, a lot and, of time. But if you
2: yeah. if you needed to to taper the end, so they're not there are different angles, you could do that too. Right,
0: and yeah, uh, and forget trying to trying to template that. Oh yeah, it would be impossible. Take forever,
2: yeah. So and it lets you do these <clears throat> kind of weird transitions. If you wanted to transition <clears throat> from a square duct to a round duct to a rectangular duct, like a three way transition. All you need to do is put in the numbers and it will do all the calculation for you and then show you the pieces of metal you need to cut and everywhere you need to bend them to make it happen. The interesting so, thing
0: about this is that it's, a, but it's, not, so it's not a graphic model that you're building. You literally enter in coordinates and then
2: it makes it for you. Correct. It, it's, yeah. it, and you can see it, you mm-hmm. can see the result in, in 2D or 3D, mm-hmm. but you cannot manipulate it directly. So there are fields, you know, mm. every model has a field and yeah. you can go to each field and put in your your data points and it will generate it and then you can lay it you out can, flat.
0: Yeah. And you can change it after that when you see it doesn't quite do what you want it to do or
3: whatever.
2: Correct. Yeah. Now, it does have the it, – it has a, a large library of predetermined models and then you just change your numbers. Mm. Or you can go in there and do it from scratch. Now, I've used that function for something that wasn't in there and it is – it is not difficult. impossible, but difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because especially if you're used to drafting, guess what? You're not drafting. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need that's... to put in your numbers and tell it what it's doing. And it's, it's a very oddball way of mm-hmm. working.
0: Right. It, it's even less than to remember when I first started doing AutoCAD. The way I learned was to follow the book that came with the software in, in mm-hmm. class. And yeah. It would literally tell you, yeah, like we barely use the mouse. We so like, click this point. And then you would just enter nothing but coordinates, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was so frustrating. Like I don't, I have I the mouse. <laughs> why, why is this yeah. so, yeah. Plus,
2: if you're laying something out, you don't necessarily know how long it's going to be until you're right. done. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, interesting. That's a very interesting one. Yeah, very it's
2: cool. called Sheet Lightning, and I think it's hundred dollars. Hmm. Um, it's, but it's. I think for us, you know, being a uh, a manufacturer, it's hmm. it's worth every bit of it.
0: No, and you know what? It sounds like it would. I mean, I would have to, you'd have to see what the, the shapes that it comes with. Some of the makers, I don't know, use something. It's called Pepakura, right? Where you can... But you can bring in a model, and then you can have that model be flattened out, and then you can... It prints out these sheets, so that, then you can cut and put back to the shape, right? And, yeah. you know, people use it to make stuff out of foam or to make stuff out of paper or whatever. It's basically like a, a paper craft piece of software. Um, so it, it's similar to Sense... In that, well, I mean, you also can't model in it. You have to bring the model already made, but it also flattens it out. But this, like, some people maybe would maybe would enjoy using that, trying to use this software for some of that, some of those shapes that they try to make.
2: Yeah. So,
3: yeah.
2: Interesting. I mean, and it's designed for sheet metal, yeah. uh. But you, I can't see why you can't use it for paper if, if right. you needed to. Yeah. Cool. Very right,
0: cool. Um, I guess I'll go again. I wanted to mention some of the 3D software that I use. And it's funny because you guys know this. For a long time, I've been a staunch opponent of SketchUp. Yes. The SketchUp being uh, the, the software. Yeah. By, it for a while, so it was just SketchUp. It got bought by Google, and then Google sold it again, I believe, right? Yes. Or broke it off to its own company. But SketchUp is a very basic 3D modeling software. Um, it can be so infer- inf- inf- infuriating
3: to use.
0: Yes. it's a pain in the ass to use. <laughs> yeah. It can be a real pain in the ass. But the thing about it though is that it's, it's also very easy to pick up and use. Yeah, like some of the other software that we've used, that I use, or that we've all used at some point, 3D Studio Max or Warm C, are not as easy to just pick up and use as Sketchup can be. Um, the other thing that Sketchup has going for it. Is that yeah you can buy a pro version over a pro license, but you can also get a free license. They call now they call it SketchUp Maker, um, which is essentially just SketchUp. It has a couple of the functions taken out of it, um, but you know you can pick it up and start using it for free. Um, I, I think it's very useful. If you watch some of the videos that I've been making lately in my YouTube channel, where I'm designing some houses or whatever, all of the modeling that I'm doing so far in those projects is all done using SketchUp. And then I'm using, the great thing about it is that it, you you know, different people have made plugins for it. And I use a plugin to render because I've never liked the look of the models in SketchUp. And they never appealed to me as far as a finished rendering. But now they make rendering engines for SketchUp that render in a nicer way. Um, You can also, they have a library of things. So, you know, in my case, I make a building. I don't have to worry about making furniture for it because there's libraries upon libraries. You can search for a couch, and then you have you pick up whatever couch you want that somebody else has modeled ahead of time, and you can just drop that in your model for SketchUp. So you know, I, I recommend it now more than I used to because you know I get people that ask me, "Oh, if I'm, I'm trying to get into modeling, what? Do, how do I learn?" I would say start by learning SketchUp, then go to something like Fusion 360. Like don't try and go to Fusion 360 right off the bat you'll be frustrated and you'll want to quit. Yeah. <clears throat> that SketchUp lets you really play around with shapes and learn how to model something. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, I think it was way back in version 5 of mm-hmm. SketchUp. Somewhere in there for, between version 5 and version 6, uh, the free version allowed you to export to DXF or DWG. I can't remember which one mm-hmm. it was. And then they, they switched that into version 6, but they didn't announce it. Mm-hmm. So if you accidentally upgraded to the version 6 free version, mm-hmm. you lost that functionality because they switched that over to the pro version. Right. But you didn't mm-hmm. know. You had no idea until you did it. And of course, you couldn't revert. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, you were screwed at that point.
2: You were. So mm-hmm. uh, the way I found out is we, were, we used it at the architecture the last architecture firm I was at. Mm-hmm. Somebody upgraded it and I was on their computer. I'm like, hey, what's what's wrong with this? Mm-hmm. and that's where i figured it out so i would i refused to upgrade mine yeah and then uh, one night the it guy went through and he messed with the computers and upgraded everything and i and <laughs> and i lost <laughs> i'm like oh no tell me you have a an image of the drive and re- put it back and no he didn't so i yeah. got screwed out of that one
0: yeah <laughs> um i think now they've put it back i haven't tried actually doing that in a while um I actually haven't tried exporting that model for anything other than using it in SketchUp. Um, I am going to try here in the near future. Um, I've seen a plugin, and they don't call it a plugin. I forget what they call it. Um, but it be, is a should, plugin. Huh? They usually is, they call them
3: plugins. Is
1: yeah.
2: they, call them plugins? The I they called it something Ruby else? script? I thought they had Ruby scripts. So too. they still
0: have Ruby scripts that you can do? But uh, I don't know why I'm thinking they called it something else other than plugin. But, anyways, um, but essentially it's a plugin. And uh, I hear there's a plugin that lets you export your model as a STL file so you could 3D print it. Oh, cool. So I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try that soon with oh, yeah. uh, With one of the things I just made on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, yeah.
1: Well, I I'd like to add two things to the SketchUp hmm? bandwagon. Number one is like, so it's been around since 2000. Like yep. it's, it's been 17 a while. years, so the. And you know what? It looks the same. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's the beauty of it. Like that is exactly the beauty of it. That's why they're like it's it's a I think it's a multi generational software, mm-hmm. right? Um, because you can like get people that are older or mm-hmm. they're not not very computer savvy to start using it as well. So that's a that's a really cool thing. Um, and then there's also this, like, that's why you have this library, right, of, of 17 years worth of knowledge base of modeling that you can, you can use. Everything has been modeled. A lot of things have been modeled. I have
0: a model of a Volkswagen bus yep. that was done in SketchUp.
1: Yeah. So there's so many things. I mean, and, and scale is not mm. a big deal. But you mentioned Google. Um, bought it, and they bought it in 2006, and the reason why they bought it is because the other wonderful thing about SketchUp is that it's actually um, the developers, original developers put developed a, a, a plugin that was Google Earth based, yes. so you put in, whenever you're drawing anything you can actually put a location to that drawing, yep. so that's, as a planner that's what we use a lot, and even as, a, as my, uh, my other colleagues they wouldn't necessarily geolocate their model and um and I, that was to me like the first step that you would do so it's, it's a wonderful thing because you can actually put your model if it's a building it's a plan if it's a city it doesn't really matter on google earth and it's a place it it actually has a place in the world mm-hmm. but then because it has a place on earth you can also do solar analysis
3: mm-hmm.
1: through it right so you can see like where the shadows lay like actual real time like well, not real time but like you would see where the Mm-hmm. So it's just the power of the software and it's such a basic form mm-hmm. is is amazing so like
0: yeah because you can literally just you know start making squares and extruding squares and changing the shape of the square or whatever but you're right like I've put not only does it let you put the model into Google Earth it actually will pull the terrain into Sketchup mm-hmm. and you will have the terrain of the, the area and the the it puts the image on there as well, so you get the grass and the paving and all of that stuff as well. It'll pull it in. I, I've done that in models as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's quite powerful. We can powerful. keep talking about it, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's quite awesome. powerful. It just looks so bad <laughs> if you <laughs> use it just straight out of SketchUp. Get plugins for it. Um, yeah, so that's SketchUp. What about you, Claudia? You got another one?
1: Yeah, and I think we're, we're like, probably this is our last round or something. Yeah, I don't we'll know, but more, the one thing that I wanted to, and it's... I, I, was, I kept on thinking, well, let me try to find something that's maker, for the, for the maker, for our audience. But we talked about this a lot, how we're moving into analog versus actually working on a tablet, right? So I wanted to include a, an app, and this is an app that I use every day. Um, it's called PDF Expert, and, like, when I started... Um, my graduate program, when I started you know, studying a masters for a master's degree, I told myself that I was not going to buy as many books. Um, and I wanted to do everything on, a, on an iPad. And that took, and, and of course, like they give you so much readings and it's all like PDFs. But sometimes those PDFs are not text. Mm-hmm. Like you can't really pick up the text or highlight it or, you know, specifically grab text from it. Sometimes they're literally an image text, right? So this particular um, app, it's called PDF Expert, allows you to put notes on a PDF that is not text-based. Mm-hmm. Um, you can draw on it, you can do arrows, you can highlight as if you had an, a highlighter, um, literally, on, and you know, like color things in. And then you can also do the same thing, you can put notes if it is an actual text-based PDF. Um, the other thing is it's all, um, on the cloud. So it's, it's really easy to put in something from your computer into, into the app and then you get it to go on your, on your iPad. Mm -hmm. And I say this because I think so many people have a hard time reading in their tablet or, or thinking of their tablet as this page. Mm -hmm. And to me, this app was always helpful. Um, has always been helpful. It's just, it's just a constant for me. I've gotten so used to it. And it it
0: syncs with a folder on your desktop. Right? Yeah,
1: it syncs with uh, Dropbox. Mm. It syncs with uh, Google Drive as well, if you want. So I mean, those things, all of those are, are pretty easy to do. And it's all like uh, you you can choose to put it on your on your on your iPads or, or your whatever tablet you use on that um, memory, or it stays in the cloud as well. Mm. So it's I know it's like it's not Maker specific, but um. It's just one of those things that, like, one of those tools that I I, I wouldn't be able to work with mm-hmm. without. Cool. cool,
0: You got one more, Ray?
2: Um, I do. There's one that I like to use uh, mm-hmm. quite regularly. It's called Featurecam. Feature Cam, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a, a CAD CAM software, and uh, I, I will tell you that it is extremely expensive, um, but it's it's quite a powerful uh, software package. and it has drafting features, but I will tell you right now that the drafting features are absolutely terrible, the worthless. Um, people who have never used AutoCAD or don't know any other drafting, they love the drafting features. They absolutely love it because I've had this conversation. Uh, but if you've ever drafted in anything else, you're like, this is the worst software I've ever used for drafting. Um, it's also terrible for 3d modeling. So you can do both. I
3: love how you're selling this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you can do both. You can do drafting and modeling, but it is terrible at both, but it is possible. If you have a simple part, it's easy. Uh, But if you have a complex part, what many people do is they'll do the modeling in SolidWorks and then import the model. Uh, So uh, in in a lot of aspects, it's very similar to what you're already familiar with. Uh, However, what you can do is you feature on it and create a G-code program that you can then import into uh, your CNC machining equipment. Right. So um, I, I think it's called Simplify 3D. Is one of those like 3D printing... Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's very yep. similar to that, mm-hmm. but instead of being dedicated just for 3D printing, um, it's designed, the software is designed for machine shops and machining. Mm-hmm. So uh, different machines require different... Um, parameters for the g-code and you can uh, they're called post processors you can create one or a lot of places uh, have them that you can download and it will uh, reorganize the very same g-code to fit onto the processor uh, so that it can interpret it for that particular machine but you can use it for cnc machining see i use it for the cnc router for cnc lathes so you're doing different types of Uh, machining operations and different tooling that you would Mm -hmm. need and it automatically does all the g-code for you so in that in that aspect it is absolutely fantastic and it's very fast it does all that very quickly Um, you can feature holes and pockets and slots and uh, 3d contoured surfaces and it generates the the g-code so you can machine from a solid piece of metal Mm -hmm. a 3d contoured surface Nice. Uh, yeah, so it's very cool. it's very good, very powerful. There are other software packages that do the same thing, uh, but I don't think they do it as well. Um, uh, one that is also very popular is Mastercam. Mastercam has a, uh, I think it's Mastercam 10 or 12 right now. I'm not sure which one it is, uh, but it's a lot like um, it's a lot like uh, uh, Sketchup in that the interface is old. So even though it's a it's a new Windows based uh, program it still feels like an old DOS program which yeah. I find a little bit uncomfortable because uh, it feels antiquated and it's 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 not user-friendly if you are familiar with uh, you know a lot of modern software packages yeah. um, I think there's another one called does Rhino Rhino CAD does the same thing the does, does
0: solid works have a cam
2: so SolidWorks by itself doesn't have a, a uh, cam feature mm-hmm. but you can purchase the uh, the interface that connects it to FeatureCAM that would allow you okay. to generate that. So they uh, at least the last version that I that I have it doesn't have a built-in functionality but if you already have FeatureCAM it allows you to use it inside of SolidWorks.
3: Okay. Interesting. So you can yeah, manipulate yeah, no, go
2: ahead. No, but it'll, it'll allow you to manipulate your model and generate the G code right from SOLIDWORKS. Mm. Now, the other issue with FeatureCam that I, I hate is when you buy FeatureCam, which is very expensive to begin with, it comes as a basic uh, software package. If you, For example, it'll let you do 2D milling or, uh, or what they call uh, 2.5D milling, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not a true three-dimensional milling uh, operation. So it is like 3D printing, whereas, you know, you do one Z-level, and then you move up or down, and you do yeah. another Z-level. They call that 2.5D. A, mm. uh, a full 3D allows you to, do, to move all three axes simultaneously to generate a, a surface. Mm. So every feature that they have, they sell to you separately. So you want 3D mm. milling? Uh, that's a separate feature. That's an upcharge. You want to be able to do turning on the lathe. Oh, that's an extra feature. That's an upcharge. Jeez. Yeah, so there's probably seven or eight features. Each one of them, they sell you separately. And so if you want Jeez. to get the full-blown version, you're spending $8,000 on, on the full-blown version. Wow. Exactly. It's uh, I mean, they. It, it, it's one of those things. Um, AutoCAD used to have something like that, where you would buy the basic AutoCAD and then you can get Express tools separately.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, or you could get AutoCAD. Or you could get our AutoCAD Architectural Desktop, which exactly. We had some Revit-like features.
2: Yes, so it's it's like that, but they they will sell you each individual feature separately. Uh, so if that's something you were interested in, you, uh, you should have some deep deep pockets.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I don't know Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty has a CAM tab to it i've never tried using it i can't imagine it's great because it's such a young software but yeah. interesting huh. um cool so the last one i wanted to mention and uh, i wanted to mention because i found it because of a question you had asked me Ray, and um and i think it would be useful for you as well because you asked me because you were looking for something to do this I have in a lot of my videos, you've noticed I record my screen, right? And I show like 3D modeling or CAD or whatever. And you had asked me how I did that. And for a long time, I what I told you is I I was using because it was I was using on my Mac, I was using um, QuickTime because QuickTime has a record your screen feature. I later found out because I I went to try and use Claudia's computer to do the same thing, and you have to have QuickTime Pro to do that. Hmm. So I did the research and found a piece of software that's free, it's open source, that lets you do this in whether it's a Mac or a PC, and it's called OBS, which stands for Open Broadcasting Software. Now, OBS is mostly, well mostly, it's used by a lot of people to um, stream video on YouTube or on Twitch or things like that. So it has a lot of the features for that to let you stream and do overlays and, and those sort of things. But it also has the feature where it lets you record your screen or it lets you record what you would otherwise be streaming at the same time as well. Um, so I've been using it now to record my software or my software, my, uh, my screen for different things, and I think that's very useful for you know anybody that's looking to do that. So. And you like it? Yeah, it's very good. And it gets updated all the time, so it has a lot of uh, yeah. support for it. So, That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, you know, it's fairly straightforward. You just open it. You tell it captures this screen. If you have multiple screens, you tell it which screen. You can have it. I've not, not used it a lot to record my audio, but you can have it record your audio as well. So you can oh. be explaining something <coughs> as you're <coughs> clicking around and doing stuff on the screen. Oh, okay. But you tell it, you know, record. You can tell it. The great thing is you can tell it to record a microphone. You could tell it to record the audio being outputted by the software, or you could turn all those things off. So you have all those things you can click on, huh. and then you just press start recording and you start recording, and you can choose with the output which kind of output it is, whether it's MP4 or MOV or whatever. You know, it's got all of the functionality, and you can choose even how many frames per second you want to record and stuff like that. So, oh,
3: hmm. okay, hmm.
0: It's very powerful.
2: So, yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up.
0: Yeah, definitely worth it if people are doing videos of, you know, the software they're using. So, cool. I mean, I think we've listed one, two, three, four, five, for About 14 pieces of software here. Um, wow. At least 14 pieces of software, but we talked about a few others as we were talking about software. So I think uh, that's good. You know, I'll, I'll make a list in the show notes of all the software we've mentioned. I'll try and add links for all of them
3: mm-hmm.
0: as much as I can. Um, and, uh, but I think we should move on to the product of the week.
1: Yeah. I, I, the only thing I would say, like, really quick before anything, there is this website that's called Alternative2, if you just Google alternative 2. Mm-hmm. com, and you can actually put in a specific software, mm-hmm. and it will give you an open source version of it. Mm-hmm. And it will give you, like, a bunch of links to it. So... that alternative, the number two? Um, no, T-O. T-O. No, T-W? No, alternative Two. Uh, it's alternative alternative, 2 altogether.net .net. Okay. Next. Nice.
0: Yeah, I'll put a link to that as well. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so, are we good? Can I go to Pro to the Week now? <laughs> yes. Are you sure? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's quite all right. All right, let's go to the Pro to the Week. Alright, so for this week's product of the week, we dip back into um, Kickstarter for, I feel like we've done a lot of 3D printers of a Kickstarter, but uh, when I saw this one, I thought it was interesting, it's called the Kappa, and it's, you know, a lot of 3D printers in Kickstarter claim to be the first of this, or the world's first whatever, or the cheapest, or the world's cheapest, whatever. But this is the world's first straight-line mechanism 3D printer. And I thought this was actually different. So I thought it'd be worth talking about. Uh, Ray, what do you think about the Kappa?
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as as 3D printing, that part is the same. But uh, it is definitely different in its approach mechanically uh, compared to all the other 3D printers I've seen. Um, One, I guess the best way to describe it is it is... It appears to be a three D printer with one post and a mm-hmm. and a printing bed. That uh, at first glance and and uh, Claudia kind of touched on that before we started recording. At first glance, it appears to only have two axes, but uh, but if you watch the video, it definitely has a full three-axis mm-hmm. uh, movement. Although it is kind of like a. Um, uh, a hybrid of a traditional Cartesian version of a 3D printer and a Delta printer. It's kind of like a little bit of both together. Uh, It's not a lot of either, but it's a little bit of both. Uh, So it's kind of interesting to me. And what's uh, I really like the idea, I like the concept, and I I really want to see this thing go through and see uh, how it gets delivered and, more importantly, what is developed after this. Uh, i would think it would be an interesting thing to keep an eye on what catches my attention immediately and i know this kind might sound kind of weird is you know the the metal base the metal post uh you have the metal print head and everything but the arm the linkage arm is uh, 3d printed it looks 3d printed Mm -hmm. i thought that was kind of weird uh that you go through all the effort to make this and machine the parts out of metal and just kind of skimp on it at that last piece. Now I realize that's probably just for the prototype, but there was nothing that I read that said that the arms were going to be made out of metal. It could be for weight. Maybe it's on purpose to to reduce the weight. But uh, it is one thing that caught my attention only because it it is made obvious by the machining of everything else. The rest of the machine kind of makes that issue obvious and they even have you know sections in the video of its manufacturer uh, using uh, you know cnc equipment so it's not from a lack of ability to make them so it's one thing that catches my attention not sure why it's like that but conceptually uh it's very interesting and i think that uh, as a first go um you know i don't know how it's going to perform but I'm definitely keeping my eye out because I think there's a lot of potential here uh, to right. make large base, you know, large format 3D printer uh, in an affordable price range mm-hmm. because you have some so fewer parts.
0: Yeah. The affordable thing is a little weird. because I don't think it's that affordable for as simple as it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a $359, but that's the discounted price, obviously. It's yeah. going to be more expensive than that when it actually ships. Um, it'll probably be more like 400 which is a little expensive for a 3d printer nowadays um, that's this small but it is very interesting I mean what do you think about it Claudia
1: um, I agree I mean was it so it's 350
0: you can get a pledge of 359 mm-hmm. and uh, there's 40 left of those
1: yeah um, no I really liked it I mean I, I think it was pretty pretty cool, like uh, for all the reasons that you guys are going to mention or have mentioned before. Um, what I really wanted to know a little bit more about,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I was just trying to search more about it, was the the Bluetooth ca- capabilities, Like, because if I'm not mistaken right now, most of the 3D printers have the connection to them is through a USB or an SD card, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you transfer information in there like your are yep. drawing. But this actually has this, um, one of the videos, or in the gallery, it actually showed that you could have your phone, and it actually has an open source Bluetooth app, I guess.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, no, it has a, a, an app that you connect to the machine through Bluetooth. Um, and then you could literally, like, set, make, change the settings there, or, like,
3: mm-hmm.
1: send your drawing through Bluetooth. I don't know how, how it deals with large files, or how that works.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I'll be honest with you. That's one of the things that's less less exciting to me as far as this is concerned. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, again, I think, you know, that's not a problem that's broken using SD card. Actually, I would say don't connect your computer directly to your 3D printer because then if, and a lot of people this has happened to, they're in the middle of a print and their computer updates and it shuts down. Oh, yeah. And then oh, you know yeah. Yeah. the 3D print stuff.
1: So you're you're sending it from your phone through Bluetooth. It's a
0: connections f- and laws. You get the- a
1: phone call that might actually... Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I again, I don't know how this... W- the thing that worries me about it is that it almost looked like you would... S- you know, there's software out there that already slices a 3D model and gives you the G-code, so you can just put the G-code in. Mm-hmm. So this almost looked like y- it was their own slicer. That would send the, the G-code to their machine. And I don't think there's a need for that. Like, the, the, it, like, don't do that.
1: It is support, supported slicing software.
0: Yeah, don't do that. Like, don't. Just don't. There's already slicing software out there that's really good at what it does. Just make a really good 3D printer. Like, just make a really good 3D printer. Let somebody else worry about slicing. There's just no need for that. That is not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, yeah and I say this because it's like the same thing Tico, that Tico did you remember the Tico rec <laughs> <laughs> so, oh is that the one like, you
3: guys
0: participated that's that in yeah, yes. that's the one that we ordered yeah the one that we
1: we lost money on
0: that we funded <laughs> and Tico was the same thing Tico's innovation at that point what they was trying to be it was a delta printer that was going to be really inexpensive to use with unibody which is what made it inexpensive to use but they also tried to make their own slicer and their slicer sucked when they first made it So, and they put a lot of money into that, and there's no need. Don't sink money into something that's not needed. Make a really good 3D printer. Make a different kind of 3D printer, which is what this is trying to be. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, I don't know. Good point. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. (laughs) But maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see what the prints come out like. It's a different style 3D printer. and I, I kind of like it. If I hadn't been burned by another 3D printer before, I might order one to see what it's like. And if the Kappa people are listening, which I don't think they are because they're in Singapore, um, so I, I would love to try it.
1: So, so that was my final question. So granted, our, our experience that wasn't the greatest through like Kickstarter and 3D printers, right? Um, being that this, this is... I guess the the creators Mm -hmm. are from Singapore like I don't know do you think that that prevents people from from investing in something like this because does
0: that discourage people? yeah I don't know I mean I'll tell you this is the deco that people were out of Canada so it doesn't get any closer to the United States right I mean if you can trust anybody can't you trust the Canadian? (laughs) (laughs) So, I
1: don't, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, and, I'm not, and I don't mean it from a biased perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean it more just a from little bit, a, though. like, just a little bit. No, not, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, it's, it's not, it's not that, it's that. I, I think it's more of exactly what you hit, mm-hmm. the, how far away something is, because you have questions. I was reading the comments. Um, and like mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna start reading more Kickstarter comments. By the no, way, oh, are people are brutal in Kickstarter. They are hilarious. I mean, I'm I'm being kind of nice here about saying this. You know, my, like it's it's not coming from a biased mm-hmm. point of view. It's just you know this. How do you start changing that mindset? Right for me, I would do it. I guess, but look what happened with our other thing. Mm-hmm. Canadians, goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, yeah, you just I, all I say is like I, I think I'm I've. I've discovered my new pastime reading Kickstarter it, comments. It,
0: people on Kickstarter are brutal.
1: Like,
0: I forget it. And if it's a thing where they, it didn't get funded. Oof. Oh, are they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But they're responsive, which is what, you know, like, again, they're very responsive. But, like, the creators are very responsive. So.
0: Yeah, which is really. Okay. Well, I mean, again, I think it's interesting. I think people should fund it. <laughs> I'm not going to fund it. But people should fund it if they're interested in a 3D print like this. But, you know, it's easy this is a warning, it's easy to be responsive when you're asking people for money.
2: Oh, yeah. Yep, Once
0: right. you have the money and you have no obligation, are you going to still be responsive?
3: Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. I, um, I, and again, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen okay. here. I think they're, they're, they might be really good people and uh, this may work out. I hope it does. But, I mean, I don't think that's any indication that this will work out. <laughs>
1: Somebody puts, this is very recent on mm. September tenth. Cool, but with the minimalist design, kappa has couldn't you minimize the shipping fees? <laughs> Where would the kappa be shipped from? <laughs> that's like the most passive aggressive. Like,
0: <laughs> mm. well, I mean, and I think that's the part that it, it's it's a minimal design and a minimal look, but it's it's pretty expensive for that. So, I don't
3: know. Yeah.
0: we'll, we'll see get ready to move on to the last segment yes it is. let's do it all right so let's very quickly talk about what are we working on uh, Claudia when you go first
1: oh what am I working on okay hmm? can, I, can I mention what I what I did last week <laughs> instead? <Sure. laughs> which has a little bit to do with this no just because I, I mentioned that I'm'm I'm, I've been really trying to establish myself more in the expert, uh, uh testimony or a witness expert, mm-hmm. um, sector. And last week I had a pretty good, um, presentation mm-hmm. and for, specifically for that project that I've been mentioning often on and on and on the McMillan project, which is a mm-hmm. historic preservation, um, park, a park that's being developed. And I, I did a really good job I was really proud of myself and I used actually GIS data to, to make the case and I was really proud of myself so that's there's gonna be more of that coming up uh, for other projects as well just you know going in there um, as an urban planning expert and as a um, uh, environmental policy expert and the last thing I would say is like it's crazy because you know all of these projects that we have worked on uh, in our lifetime as uh, as Professionals, mm-hmm. uh, like I was questioned. You know, like the the opposition asked me, "How? What large project have you worked on?" As if you're not going to be able to answer this question, and we're going to uh, bash you from you know, like we're, we're, that's going to be your downfall.
0: Yeah, like it's a way of discrediting. You.
1: Yeah, discrediting me. And you know, when I you know bring up, well, yeah, that I worked on a three on a historic preservation project. That included environmental impact assessment for a 350 acre site. Uh, at that point, they just couldn't say anything else, and they just all like shriveled. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, it's just an, a testament to having done good work and having done, having put in the time. Mm-hmm. It eventually comes back and helps you. Mm-hmm.
3: And people yeah,
0: guys should not- watch that, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm gonna post it on my website. I need to start posting a lot of my, a lot more of my stuff, and mm-hmm. for that I'll be using some of the software that you guys. Comes
2: back. Yeah, you know the best way to answer those kind of questions is the first thing you say is, "I am glad you ans you asked that question." At that moment, they realize they screwed up.
3: <laughs>
2: yes. well, anytime, yeah. Anytime you say, "I'm glad you asked that question," it means that you are prepared and you've got an answer. Mm-hmm. And usually, you could see it right in their face. They go, "Oh crap." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thank you, You Ray. Try yeah,
2: try that next time, and then watch their faces, and you're gonna you're gonna realize that that's the moment they realize that they made a mistake.
3: Cool. Is
2: that
1: it?
2: That's it. All right, Ray. What about you? What have you been working on? Uh, Working on a lot of stuff. Uh, I am uh, finally uh, (laughs) working on my boat again. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I started the boat a year ago, but with everything going on, I just hadn't been able to, to stick with it. Uh, but I just put up a video uh, last week about uh, closing in the bottom and adding flotation foam mm-hmm. and I uh, did a little bit more good. work yeah doing a little bit more work on it today nice. like uh, you know the flotation foam uh, it's weird because if you watch videos people think having the foam in the boat makes the boat float better <laughs> and which is a weird thing and I don't know why people think that but the whole purpose of the foam is a is a precaution in case there's a puncture in the hull, or uh, you take on water, or there, you know, a catastrophic failure. It is a place where water cannot occupy. You're right. occupying it with foam, so that you remain buoyant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, looking into it, it's weird that people think having the foam in the boat, it's already displacing water, right. but having the foam, which is more weight, mm-hmm. makes you float better.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know a lot about boats, but you know, I mean, I took physics class, and it's the dip- dip- whatever water you're displacing, is what's making you float. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Hmm.
3: I guess but it's yeah. a light. It's, it's
1: a light material. Like it doesn't well, I mean, I think much.
0: people see foam floats, <laughs> so I like, guess you just assume it's going to make it float. But that's not
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not not the reason. Yeah. Right. And. um you know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I keep a, a camera on my motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I saw whenever it
0: the day I was there, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So what what's what's happened is every once in a while, you know, I have a close call because somebody does something stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and I wasn't recording it. So I, that's when the moment I decided I gotta record these things, in the event something ever happened, to be a record of what happened. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a he said she said. I go here's the video. This is what happened. Uh, so last week was one of those moments and it was a very, very, very close call. So I will be, I will be making a video of that. And I think you're going to be, you're going to be surprised when you see how close a call that was. Uh, and it was, the guy just didn't see me. He didn't see me. He, he's pulling a trailer and he pulls out in front of me with a trailer. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, and then at the last minute he realizes his mistake and, uh, but Luckily, hits the
0: brakes, which makes it worse. No, no, he didn't hit yeah. the
2: brakes. I'm, I'm lucky he didn't hit the brakes. He ended up shifting. As he was turning, he realized he made a mistake. So he shifted all the way over to the left lane. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he saw there was any traffic. There was no traffic in the left lane. So he got lucky, and I was able to go past him. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of that turn is when he realized that he, he jumped out in front of somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, now, keep in mind, I'm wearing a bright orange long sleeve shirt to make me more visible. In yeah. the middle of the day, yeah. So yeah. I hope I don't have any more of those close calls, but that's why I keep a, a camera on the bike just in case. Mm. Oh,
3: wow.
2: Yeah. So that video careful. will be coming out soon, yeah. Nice. Yeah,
1: yeah
0: I'll check that
1: out. It's... I've had so many of those calls, close calls on my big motorcycle, too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, the funny part is not the close calls. The funny part is the big motorcycle.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. What, what
2: is that, 150 cc's? What is Yes. It? Yeah. yes.
3: Yeah.
2: That is 150, that's almost that's like nineteen times smaller than my bike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's elegance. It's elegance. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you saying your bike looks better than his because <laughs> I don't know that he would be I don't know, he would I don't think he's gonna give up that point either.
2: No, I won't give that up. Yeah.
3: Well. <laughs>
1: So
0: what about you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I started a new job, so that's been taking up a lot of my time, but uh, I've also been getting some stuff ready for uh, for World Maker Faire, making some keychains and getting some. I went to Ray's shop, not last week, but the week before that, or not this week, but the week before that, to cut out some keychains for World Maker Faire and some other stuff, so I've been working on that. I'm also working on a 3D printing project that has to do with the new Star Trek show that's coming out. So I'm making some of the little badges that they wear. I, I found oh, cool. some photos of them, and I, I modeled them up. I, I drew them in CAD first, and then I made, out, made 3D models of them, and then I printed them out. So I've just been finishing them. Um, and f- what I did is I printed out four of them so that I could show the process of finishing a 3D print. So each one of them is one that's straight out of the printer, one after sanding, one after priming, and then the finished one. So you can see sort of the steps of how it how it gets finished from once how it starts and how it ends. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm gonna bring that with me to World Maker Fair as well, so people can see. Yeah, and uh, I guess finally I finished working or doing model a three D model of the Incredible House. So then I started another one. I've been designing a house, which actually then ended up being an apartment. I designed an apartment for uh, Quasimodo, the Hunchback on Notre Dame. Oh, I saw that. Yep. So, so I think the video came out yesterday or today, I don't remember, where I've now done the plan in CAD and I'm going to start making a 3D model of it. So mm-hmm. That's next. So that's it.
1: Yeah, You've been busy.
0: I've been busy. Yeah. We'll be all busy and we're going to get busier. Um, come... Out to New York World Maker Faire. If you come out, ask us what other softwares we had that we didn't get to. Ask us what else we've been working on, and mm-hmm. maybe do an interview and talk about you know what you do in making or what you guys do in general. So yeah, come out to World Maker Faire and let us know you're listening. Yeah. Right. So very quickly tell people where they can find out more more about you other than just in World Maker Faire.
1: Uh, www.thecityecologists.com. Mm-hmm.
0: Didn't the back, do you didn't know, the HTTP? No, you I didn't. Do. All okay. <laughs> right, Ray. What about you? Uh,
2: you can find me on my YouTube channel, Ray Peniel. Uh, yep. you punch that in, and I'll have uh, 180 videos, so you you'll see one of those right away. And uh, on my homemade lathe group, uh, which is homemade lathe, uh, uh, Facebook group. So we discuss uh making homemade lathes and even some other machines. And people ask questions and. Uh, they post pictures of, of projects that they're working on. So it's a very interesting little forum for people designing and building the leads at home.
3: Mm-hmm. Very
0: cool. Yeah, both of those are very cool. They're both linked in the, in the description below. And you can find me at, at City Aperture, whether it's with the WWW before or on any social media. Yeah. So that's it, guys. That's, we'll see you next at World Maker Faire. We're we'll going to be recording there. And our next show that comes out, we'll be talking about World Maker Faire and hopefully have some interviews with you guys listening and with the filmmakers makers.
1: Yeah. New York, here we come. Yeah.
0: See you guys then. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.